0: Hello. Welcome to Project 99, episode 2. We were uh, having some difficulties with our recording equipment. Sound check, sound check. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is strange because it hasn't moved <laughs> since last week. <laughs> but all right, I think I get it all figured out, so let's just jump in today. Um, remember you guys can follow us on Twitter and always send us an email. Let me make sure I give you the right Twitter name this time because I didn't last time. So (laughs) it is uh, on Twitter. We are Project99Cast. Just look us up and um, you can send us a DM or tweet at us. Let us know some stuff you want to talk about or give us some feedback. We're available uh, anywhere you want to stream your podcast. I think we're on um, Spotify, Spotify, we're on Anchor, we're on iTunes, we're on... um, Oh my gosh, they sent me so many emails. We're basically anywhere you can stream a podcast, we're on there now. So Sweet. Yes, so anyway, I'm going to let you jump right in, see what you want to talk about today, Mick.
1: Well, our topic for today's uh, conversation is going to be wealth inequality, which is kind of a trending topic right now. Um, but the history of wealth inequality goes back to before the actual existence of the United States of America, So uh, I'm going to kind of get into that, but I think you wanted to cover some current events first.
0: Yeah, I kind of just wanted to touch on, and I feel like it's, um, you know, included in in this conversation we're about to have. There are all these protests going on right now, and I started reading about the protests in Hong Kong. Just because it has been so crazy in the news, it's just been everywhere. And I, I'm just now hearing about it. I guess they've been going on since June, but I just now started seeing it in the news. So I started reading about it because I honestly knew nothing about it at all. And it seems to be heating up pretty pretty crazy. So um, after doing a little bit of reading and kind of understanding their unique two system um, in Hong Kong, I feel like, um, well, anytime I feel like the people want something that the government is against you know there's a reason to protest you Mm -hmm. know because I mean they should have the power so I was like oh yeah all for that all for that uh but as it goes on further it's like it just amazes me that their people are willing to go out there in mass numbers every single day to kind of keep their government in check because they got the bill that they were protesting completely withdrawn at the end of October but they're still out there now because they're just like uh, well, first of all, we want all the protesters that were arrested. We want them to go free, and mm-hmm. you know now we want this, and we want the we want an investigation into police brutality. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just not giving up.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just like holding their government this is the accountable. This the danger of when the um, masses come off of their chains, because uh, you know the history of Hong Kong is that um, you know Brit- the British uh, back the British Empire colonized. Hong Kong. And then, you know, after the Opium Wars, there was uh, negotiations about who was going to, between when the Chinese and the British were trying to negotiate who was going to end up ruling Hong Kong, there was uh, like a lease agreement that was established where... Yeah, I had no idea
0: about any of that stuff. I mean, I know that maybe that sounds, makes me sound really dumb, but I just had no idea. I just, I, I thought Hong Kong was just under the rule of mainland China. I did mm-hmm. not know about any of that.
1: Well, and I only know that because back when you were like born, <laughs> 1995, 1997, <laughs> I remember there was, it was all in the news because the like 99 year lease that England had to rule over Hong Kong was up. And um, so they were supposed to transfer the power to rule over to China and you know England is a democracy and they have you know the rule of law they have all these you know freedom of speech you have all these things and so you have China who's a very repressive country and so here's the people of Hong Kong and they're about to be like handed over more or less to this oppressive regime and of course China was like on the face of it making promises that they weren't going to be repressive which um, I feel like
0: people saw through that completely,
1: <laughs> right? Sure,
0: and but but then well look- the other thing too about that and China being so repressive it made me remember it when I was trying to figure out um, how many people exactly are protesting there, mm-hmm. and the Chinese human rights group is reporting I mean massive numbers, mm-hmm. but the police there are reporting like I mean astronomically different like the the uh, Chinese let me look, let me look up the name here. It's like a very specific group. They call it like a CHRF or something. It's the China's Human Rights something. Um, but they, they were reporting like 2 million protesters Mm -hmm. at one point and the police were like, no, there was like 200,000. And I'm like, that is a massive discrepancy. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what, do we not have journalists there? Like what? I mean, nobody can tell us how many people exactly are protesting. Right. Well, there's,
1: there's competing propaganda and that's true with literally every story that you hear in the news there's competing propaganda and so we only get the u.s version <laughs> well i've been reading bbc
0: because i figured right. it might be a little bit more reliable i mean but they haven't, things bbc uh, is
1: but they're kind of like the u.s and the bbc are kind of co uh co-opted in most of the empire building that's going on in the world today so i used to do that i used to look at but
0: honestly in, in all of the news sources all of the different pages that I found and different foreign news sources, no one is really reporting a number. So I feel like mm-hmm. they they just don't know how many people are there. But um, yeah, so that was crazy. That I was just like, you can't even you can't even put a. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they're just nowhere close on the amount of people. But I do know um, in Chile, the other place that's uh, big in the news for the protests right now, that they said there's like a million people mm-hmm. protesting in Chile, which I'm like, wow. Um, the first thing I saw in the media about it was it's pitch black and it's like this video of all these apartment buildings and there's this woman singing opera and um the title of the video was like woman sings loudly and the whole neighborhood responds or whatever had they said nothing about the protest so it's this woman singing opera and then when she stops like the entire neighborhood is clapping or whatever but then it turns out um, when I was doing further research on the video that it was a protester in chile and they were on a um a curfew like a government mm-hmm. Inst- mm-hmm. instituted curfew so basically she's rebelling and she was singing this song um and all of the people were applauding that but ugh, i gotta look up the song now because it was something uh it was something that had it had a message a specific message but
1: yeah but the chilean protest um you know, it's it's funny because they say, well, it's in response to the raising of the subway fare, which
0: it's uh, which is hilarious. It was in Santiago, Chile, during a government-imposed curfew following the demonstrations, and the woman's name was Aileen Jovita Romero, and she's singing a song which I'm not even gonna pr- try to pronounce the name of because I I don't speak any other foreign languages and I don't sound like want to sound like an idiot. Uh, but translated, it's the right to live in peace mm-hmm. is what she was singing, and um. It's on my Twitter, so if you guys want to watch the video, you can go check it out. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it started, I think, with the rising uh, in public transit fares, but they're also protesting because of the rising cost of living and uh, income inequality. Which is why I brought this up in the first place is that you know um, privatization, uh, uh, scandal, and corruption in their country. I Mm -hmm. mean, all, all of these, all of these things that that they're, here I have a list of their goals too. They want to uh, they want to reverse the public transit affairs. They want to reform in education, healthcare, pensions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they want their president to resign and they want better wages, minimum wage increase, and they want to draft a new constitution. And I'm like, wow, a lot of these things that these people are you know, literally day after day protesting for are, are some of the things that we want here. We, exactly. we want healthcare and education mm-hmm. and pension reforms and better wages and you know, less corruption, less scandals, an end to income inequality. I mean, those those are all things that it's like mm-hmm. as an American, I I, I completely relate. But i I don't know. The only the only other difference was that I thought about is you know they said uh, at this point they're reporting there's over 3.7 million protesters and there's only been 21 reported deaths. Mm-hmm. And I just think about how different those numbers would be if that happened here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see. We, we see the police coming out in, in SWAT formation when, when we have, you know, Black Lives Matters protests mm-hmm. or, or anything here. And I just, I think that if 3.7 million people were protesting in the United States against income inequality
1: and corruption, that they would just be shooting people in the streets. Well, I think when you look at South American countries in particular, when you look at, um, you know, like Venezuela... Um, For example, I mean, you you when you look out at the faces of the people in the crowd, okay, you know, here we have a, you know, white majority, which is declining now, but we are more, I think, ethnically diverse than a lot of South American countries. And the reason why I feel like that's important is because even though you have a police force and you have a military and you have civilians, you know, they all feel like they're all Chilean and they all feel like they're all, um, you know, Venezuelan. And, you know, Hugo Chavez used to, um, you know, when he would go out among the people and, and mingle with them, he would, you know, really reinforce that. And um, in particular, um, socialist governments like Venezuela that promise to use the wealth of their countries to help their people are, demonized by capitalist countries whose business interests in that country revolve around securing those natural resources, those riches, for their empire. So, um, you know, we have, over the course of our, our our history as a country, multiple times the CIA has been involved in overthrows of democratically elected um Governments throughout the world, um, and and the motivation for that was because they the socialist governments were more friendly to their own people than they were to U.S. business interests, and um, so you get the competing empire versus the people, <laughs> which and you know I always I always say when
0: I try to tell people this that America has always had a history of basically kicking in your front door and saying um you're either gonna give us what we want or we will destroy everything and put somebody we want in power and they'll give us what we want like exactly I mean we have a history of that and when I try to tell people that listen like the wars that we fight even though you've been taught that they were for this reason or that reason mm-hmm. that's not it and no. it's like I don't blame the people who fought and thought they were fighting for the freedom of other people and I, I don't blame those people I don't blame people that supported the wars because it they did a really good job of convincing people that that's what it was really about. I Mm -hmm. mean, so it's not that I blame the people. I think people get so defensive when you criticize America that you're, like, attacking them personally if they're patriotic. And it's like, listen, I don't want to leave this country. Everyone always tells you you don't like it, just get out. Um, But it's... I think that we have an opportunity to be a really great part of the world. It just hasn't been that way so far. Right, right. I mean, I just, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I was watching this Netflix series um, about Ivan the Terrible and the trials that went on. And, you know, it kind of reminds me how how millennials now are making a big deal of, uh, which I get it, I, I totally agree of, you know, like attacking people who claim they're Nazis. And like, if you see a Nazi, punch a Nazi. And it's like, I don't disagree with that because it's like, Mm-hmm. you know I, I just don't I get it's their freedom if they want to express that go ahead but you're still gonna get yourself punched in the mouth like i will gladly catch an assault charge to punch somebody who claims to be a Nazi in the mouth I mean mm-hmm. I'll go to jail for it I don't expect them to change the laws but it doesn't stop me from doing it um but it just comes down to you know even after World War II ended and you know we went after this Ivan the Terrible as we should have all the way up until he was like 90 years old and dying in like the 2000s um but yet, like, we never talk about how one of the guys who literally got us to the moon
1: was a, a Nazi right. who So when you're talking bombs. about Ivan the Terrible, you're talking about one of Hitler's.
0: Well, they, they said this guy was um, a Ukrainian, and he claims that he was a POW, but one of the POWs that um, were running the camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this specific one named... Ivan something I don't remember the name now um and they claimed but they called him Ivan the Terrible and he ran the gas chambers at Treblanca Mm -hmm. and this guy um who claims that's not him that's not him but then they have like basically overwhelming evidence that it is him and he's like a Mm -hmm. liar like that Mm -hmm. it it was him um he had all these trials in Jerusalem and basically they came down and said there's just they they convicted him and then uh, years later, they um, appealed it, and the court said there's just not enough evidence to prove that he he was that man, um, which people were outraged about because if you, if you watch the show and you see the kind of evidence that they brought mm-hmm. up, it's like every excuse that this guy makes to be like, oh, it wasn't me, it comes back later that it's like, wow, yeah, it was you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then when he was like super old – America, because uh, he lived in America, they shipped him over to Germany where they ended up trying to be like, yeah, well, we can't prove that you were Ivan the Terrible from Treblanca, but we can prove that you committed war crimes. So, you're you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he did end up eventually getting punished, but it was just like the hypocrisy, because I'm like, here we are again on another TV show where we're like, oh, America the Great, America the Great, you know, pursuing Nazis until their last breath, and I'm just like, yeah, but just the ones we can't use for anything.
1: Right, no, exactly. And, and matter of fact, I'm reading a book right now called The Devil's Chessboard. And um i'm actually listening to an audiobook and i keep going back and like re-listening to it the same part because it just is hard to sink it into my brain but alan dulles who was the um head of the cia um before the cia there was the oss and um so he was in charge of that and then later became the head of the cia but he was like so chummy chummy with all these nazis (laughs) And like people were kind of giving them some gr- now. Now, mind you, that a lot of elites in the United States back in the day, and in Britain or whatever, they they liked the Nazis. Right. They yeah. considered the Nazis to be like having it all together. Now, I don't know that many of them knew that they were murdering Jewish people, um, and and other people. But uh, they admired Nazis, and that wasn't like back in that time period. That wasn't that strange of a thing. But the fact that we're at war, ascending our soldiers to go and die to fight Nazis, but Alan Dulles is like, let me see if I can help my Nazi friends out, is like, like you said, it's like so hypocritical. And, but again, it right, goes, and this
0: But this isn't the type of hypocritical that's like, Oh, you criticize something and then you, you know, you turn, you criticized uh, public buses, but then you turned around and rode the bus. <laughs> no, like you're sending people to die fighting Nazis and then behind the closed doors, you're buddy-buddy right. with them. Like that's right. disgusting. And
1: Operation Paperclip is probably what you were referring to when we brought a lot of the Nazi scientists over to the United States. Yes, to, exactly what I'm talking um, about. You know, to utilize them for their skills. Like we spared them because we wanted their skills. And part of what um, Dulles's uh kind of argument to people who criticized him when he was so openly kind of, you know, cavorting with these Nazis was that the Nazis were uh, against the communists. See, like, you'll hear right-wingers today say, oh, well, Hitler, that was a National Socialist Party because they want to try and um, confuse the issue of democratic socialism with, look, if you elect Bernie Sanders, the next thing you know, we will have Nazis, which is completely so stupid eminently stupid oh that's that's it's that's, so i want to post stupid. that
0: on this facebook page called uh conservatives getting mad about things that they made
1: up themselves <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really right. funny i mean first of all democratic socialism is socialism, but in any event like the fact that they try to combine like socialism in any way shape or form with nazism like that would have pissed the nazis off because they hated communism and they had intelligent sources that they had built up over the years inside the communist, you know, government of, of the Soviet Union. So um, we, Alan Dulles' thing was, well, like, we need the Nazis because they know stuff about the Russians, and the Russians are the real enemy. And so, but it was BS. I mean, basically, he he had an affection for Nazis. But, um, but when, when you say that people thought they were really fighting communism and that you don't blame them for thinking they were fighting communism when really they weren't, in a sense, they kind of were because – the concept of communism versus capitalism, like you have to understand that capitalism isn't a form of government. You know, you're talking about communism versus democracy, right? But people will say capitalism when they mean democracy. And the reason that it gets conflated is because in if you have a society where everyone is treated the same and where economics doesn't define your ranking in society, if you truly want a democratic society, if you have extreme wealth inequality, you can't have a democratic society. Right,
0: yeah, which is why they always said that uh, America truly does not know a legitimate democratic party because our democratic party has always been just as corrupt and in the money. Right. You know, we've never truly had a, a... Party that represents the people, no. not special interests. Right. Um, so no, I I think that all the time when people say they're Democrats, and I hope that as time goes on, and you know I know a lot of people that are excited that Tulsi Gabbard just said that she was going to run on a third party ticket. She wasn't mm-hmm. going to run um, as a Democrat. And um, I don't know. I just think as time goes on, more and more people are starting to see that. That listen, that they're they're both awful. They're both right. awful. I think. The, the one good thing about Hillary Clinton running for president was that a lot of people were like, I am not voting for her. Right. And It'll I hate Trump. Far. And I don't want to vote for him, but I don't want to vote for her either. I think that was the first time that people were like, okay, look, this is bad. And well, then when Debbie Washburn Schultz had to step down mm-hmm. because of all that shit she did, you know, uh, where they basically gave the ticket to Hillary, even though it should have been Bernie's. Nothing happened. She stepped down, and and that was it. That was like the line where it was too far. Like I think a lot of people we're not going to vote for her. I think a lot of people, especially millennials, were like, uh, "No, we don't support the DNC. We're not. We're not
1: supporting them. We're done. We're done." It's really funny, and I wanted to bring this up, and I'm glad that you brought that up about the the voting of the lesser of two evils, because it's like this drama where every election, each party picks an absolutely horrid person. Because they're trying to see the extreme level to which we'll go before we will just not vote. And Hillary was it because she was so horrible and Trump was so horrible. And I remember like all I heard in the whole election cycle was, well, I don't want to vote for Hillary, but I hate Trump more. Or I don't want to vote for Trump, but I hate Hillary more. Like they're literally nobody was happy with who they were choosing to vote for.
0: But, i don't know i know a lot of trump people that were genuinely excited to vote for him and i guess
1: in this area I but the vast of, majority of people like didn't yeah, want the, either the vast majority
0: of people i would say that well, that that was the case but in this area specifically i feel like people just vote for their own interest and you know we have a lot of coal mines steel mills things like that around here and hillary clinton comes and says you know we're gonna put all your coal mines out of business and don't get me wrong uh coal mines are, are dying people which by the way trump
1: is doing an absolutely yeah. <laughs> stunning job of meeting hillary's promises yeah, he, he really i is. mean i just think that's hilarious that she was like we're going to put coal mines out of business. and he's like and no we're not and then he did it anyway <laughs> and he, and it, they're worse you know what i mean it's like hey trump like thank you for giving us hillary's agenda well because but, you can't uh pump up
0: the gas industry the natural gas industry without hurting coal right and that's what people in this state need to realize that when somebody says we're gonna put coal out of business um honestly just a progressive move because it's dying anyway right coal has never been a substantial consistent market here they even talk locals even talk about how they would get laid off in the coal mines back in the 70s and 80s and they would just you know listen to a radio station to tell them whether or not that mine needed workers to report Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i hear Mm -hmm. that all the time from Mm -hmm. people around here um so it that's never been a oh but
1: the lesser of two evils i wanted to get on this real quick because with all the stuff that's going on today with the opening of the impeachment trial and you know, we're hearing about President Zelensky of Ukraine, and there's not, I really haven't heard anything in the mainstream about President Zelensky, but I have to tell you the story because I heard it, um, I can't even remember where I heard it now initially. It might have been the Jimmy Dore Show. But anyway, President Zelensky um, has, he, prior to becoming the president of Ukraine, he had no political background whatsoever, he was an actor. Okay, yeah. So it was Reagan. So was no, Trump. But listen, this is the. This is just gonna blow your mind. So he was. He starred in a television series about a high school history teacher who goes on a rant after his students are dismissed to go out into the wreck area or whatever, because the math teacher needs his history room or something. So the whoever the guy is that dismisses him tells him like nobody cares about history, <laughs> basically like that math is more important, history is a pissant. We don't care about history. And so he goes on this rant about politics and how every election, like you get the choice of two shit bags. And I actually went and watched this episode because I had heard about the show, but I want, the show is called Servant of the People. And the reason is because Zelensky in, this, in his role as this high school teacher, his students are dismissed from the class and he's ranting to this gentleman who dismissed this class about how politics are corrupt. Both sides are corrupt. In every election, you get your choice of the lesser of two evils. And both of them are shitbags and both of them are corrupt. Well, unbeknownst to him, one of his students hears the ruckus and starts taping it on his phone. So then he uploads it to YouTube. And it starts getting all of these views because people in the country are disgusted by the corruption in their government. And here's somebody, Joe who's, Schmell, yeah, who's actually saying what everybody thinks about their shitty political system. So he starts getting all these likes on the YouTube video, people like commenting saying, Oh, why don't you run for president? And so the students come back to class and they're like, You know, telling him that you should run for president because have you seen the comments? Like, everybody loves you, blah, 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 blah. And and he's like, what are you talking about? You know, to even enter the elections, you have to have so much you know, money to enter the elections and um, they're like crowdfunding. So they raised like two million dollars or whatever their 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 money is there and they're like, we have it. So he's like, no, 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 I can't run for president. So they just basically go to his house and like dump all this money in his lap. They're like shoving it in the door and they like buy a house with it or do whatever you want. So. He enters the election, but it's kind of like just because he doesn't want to spend the money and he wins. So he becomes president of Ukraine by accident through a joke, more or less. And it's so funny because now he he is the president. of <laughs> That's Ukraine. really funny. It, it's like that's crazy. Trump, you know, they say, that's like a movie. They like say a... art imitates life, but truly life imitated art in this case. Yeah. And so, you know. In the series that it opens with these three like shadowy figures that i guess are like the oligarchs in the ukraine and they're like talking about how each one of them picks a candidate and gives tons of money to them but it's kind of in secret they don't tell each other who their candidates are so after Zelensky in this show becomes the president he's in the limousine and the one of the guys that's with him says so tell me like whose guy are you like who gave you the money to like be the, become the president and he looks over at him. He goes, "Crowdfunding," and he's like, "No, no, no! Seriously, like, who, who gave who gave you the money?" And he, "You can tell me." He's like, "Crowdfunding," <laughs> and the guy's like, "Oh, it's okay. You don't have to tell me." Like, he refuses to believe it. So then the oligarchs are kind of like, "Oh, he's your guy, right?" No, he's not my guy. Is he your guy? And like, so it's truly like he, he wasn't supposed to become the president, but he did because they all made a bet that they would just oh, let's just let the people decide. Like, kind of joking among themselves, like, nobody from the outside is ever going to get into the political system, so we can let let the people decide who's actually going to be the... One of our guys will be the president. And then they were like, oh, shit. It yeah. actually happened. So, <laughs> so the fact that this guy is actually the president of Ukraine is hilarious You know what's crazy, too? It's I me. feel
0: like... Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I say this all the time that uh, Trump's an idiot and he doesn't know what he's doing and this and that. Um, but I think as far as the economy goes regardless of how many promises he's breaking like he told all these people well we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that it's like shit just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. um i mean when you compare the numbers and i know people you know people argue when obama was in office they give him credit for the numbers instead of bush and now that trump's in office they want to give obama credit for the numbers and not trump and it's like whoever you want to give it credit to um you know unemployment's down and I mean, personally, our industries here are still suffering and I don't think it matters what presidents and office industries in West Virginia are just always suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do kind of believe that his idea that, you know, things are going to get better or things are going to get worse before they get better. And like if we if we tried to cut off all these deals and just base things out of America and you know what I'm saying? Like this whole plan that he has to like Im- import less things and make things here and this and that, that would all be great if he would just get off of the the sucking the dick of the corporations mm-hmm. and like stop like you know what I mean if he could just have like those ideas but then also like force the corporations to to stay here but that's and not, like no that's but, not how it works but though. I know but that's 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 what gets me is that I feel like people jump on his train because they're like oh America first and he's gonna he's gonna put people back to work because they're gonna make company we're gonna make companies make things here and sell things here and put people to work and I'm like yeah I mean I get that 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 message makes sense but like you you can't you can't do that and then also be in the back pocket of these people who are outsourcing and, and shutting down factories and you know what i mean like it mm-hmm. just that doesn't that part doesn't make any sense well, what to me. trump
1: doesn't understand is that you know he says stuff like um you know he's going to make the corporations stay here and he's going to force right. them to do things and i'm like but that's not how the country works for one because you're literally talking about like, not allowing people to move out of the country? Like, is this North Korea now? I th- maybe Well, I, I mean,
0: I think if you went at it with the uh, attitude, like, okay, well, if you move out, you, you can't, if you move your corporation out of the country, then we just won't let you sell things here. And it's like, okay, maybe the prices of certain things would go up astronomically. Um, like, okay, we probably couldn't get iPhones for three, four hundred bucks, and maybe we can't get specific types of cars. But it's like, I almost feel like um, to get to the... Uh, idea that he has in his head, or what he tells people he wants to do, that that has to happen first. Mm-hmm. That you basically do tell companies, well, if you're not going to build factories and employ people here, then you can't sell to our market, and we're a large market. So good luck. And if they did move out and we were without those products, it's like I, sometimes I just think America is a little bit too greedy. We mm-hmm. have so many products here, so many uh different brands of products, this, that, and the other. We have so much choice, and it's like. If, if I thought sacrificing some of that choice would lead to factories and work here, I would be all about that. It's just, I think that he, in his mind, thinks that that's like a lot simpler than what it actually is. Um, but anyway, that whole idea that he spits to people when I talk to Trump supporters and they tell me that that's their idea of what he wants to do, I understand
1: completely. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great fantasy, but, but actually, nothing that he's doing is actually going to affect th- that coming to fruition, for one. He's a con man. He doesn't know what he's doing business-wise. He's bankrupted every business that he's ever had. Um, and if you, know, you listen to economists, he's not, he's not helping. He's not helping this. Now, well, that's I'm not I mean. saying you can't renegotiate uh... trade deals with China. I'm not saying that you can't you know, go to China and be like, hey, you know we need to talk about this when you renegotiate it. But it's the way that he does everything. Trump just burns everything to the ground, literally. And then comes in with a broom and sweeps up the ashes and says, I saved the day. Like, he's, yeah. he's ridiculous.
0: That's what I mean.
1: Like, I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like
0: when I, I desperately try to make sense out of the things that he does, because at the end of the day, uh, he is still our president, and we, we have to put up with him until at least 2020. So it's like, if I can look at... Anything that he's done that has come out in a positive way that we, when we move on from this, we can be like, okay, well, at least we did this and this. Mm-hmm. Then that's what I want to try to do because I spent the first uh, two years of his presidency being just as pissed off as everybody mm-hmm. else was and just angry at the Democrats, angry about Hillary Clinton. Angry. I was I spent the first two years pretty angry, but now I think I've gotten over that stage and it's like I'm not I would never vote for him and I'm never going to support him. But now I've moved on to let me try to understand why people went to him. Um, And if I can educate them on why that's not what you thought you were going to get. You know, I've just kind of moved on to that stage. So I'm trying to see it from both sides. But um, more and more I see is that I, I honestly think that because of the base that he has, that he's not even really the problem. I think that the extreme divide between party lines at this point You know, at the 2016 elections, there were lots of people I knew and a lot of people I saw online that were a toss up between whether they wanted to vote for Bernie or Trump, Mm -hmm. which seems crazy. And I talked about this last time. You know, it seems nuts, but I think everybody's just tired of the corruption. But now, after we've had this crazy, like the most divisive, um, you know, presidential election, and people just that's just continued to grow. Well, first of all,
1: division works best for people in power. And I was going to get to that when we talk about the empires and how we came from empire, how we are in empire right now. Um, So we're going to get to that. But the thing that people have to understand about politics and the economy is that people who look to somebody like Trump and say, oh, we're going to find a political solution to our economic woes. It's horseshit. But here's my thing. Here's my whole point of that is, I don't know why
0: Trump even jumped on the Republican ticket to begin with, because if his whole whole message was, I don't need the money from anybody, I can just run on my own, then why didn't he run as an independent, first of all? He doesn't, I mean, when he started running for president, everybody knows he used to be a Democrat. Um, He didn't have strong views on abortion. He didn't have strong views on on gun rights. You know what I mean? Like, all of these hot-button issues that Republicans usually use Mm -hmm. to get, like, garner all the support... He didn't even use any of those. So well, like, why because, didn't you run as an independent, because, dude?
1: Because Trump's brand, when he was running for 2016, he the one thing he is good at is he's good at creating a brand. And what he saw, he, and actually he had a lot of help with this from Steve Bannon and a lot of people on the alt-right that saw the Tea Party movement because the Tea Party movement pre, pre, predated Trump. So what it was is a bunch of Republicans who were fed up with the corruption inside their party. They wanted people to start focusing on workers, like basically workers' rights go back to like fo- focusing on the economy and no more spending. And actually a lot of Republicans are non-interventionalists, which which means they don't want to go around the war- all these wars all over the world, which Trump said he was going to get us out of the wars. So some people looked at him like he was actually going to do what Republicans were supposed to be doing, but couldn't because they were all tied up in business interests. So they weren't doing the interests of the people. Well, now... You see, the Democrats, the progressive movement is exactly the same thing as the Tea Party movement. Right, yeah, we need a. Yeah, so we, n- we Trump need a tea, tea Party movement. Trump, Trump, the became, left. Trump became the mascot of the Tea Party movement. That's what. And so to run as an independent, he had no brand. He was just a guy, he was just a billionaire jumping into the race. But to run as a Republican for disaffected, the forgotten man, remember that was his whole thing, his whole election thing was I'm going to be the Republican that you've wanted that you haven't had.
0: Well, see, but that's another crazy thing, too, that comes back to this divisiveness, is that I feel like on all levels all over the country, the one thing that people do have in common is that none of us are getting our fair share. And the idea that we can, you know, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and work really hard and get somewhere, we all are realizing that that's just, like, not the
1: case. Which, by the way, any Um, person who tells you or you hear say that you need to pull yourself up by the bootstraps... Please Google them because ninety nine percent of people preaching to pull yourself up by the bootstraps Or with a silver spoon in their yeah, mouth. yeah and literally have never worked a fucking day in their life so there, a lot of nerve it is for them to tell especially millennials nothing gets me more heated than when I hear some rich 45, 50 year old person who was born and has never had to work a day in their life because they were born into a rich family sit there and hack on millennials because they're they're they are they they do not want to work and they're lazy and they're stupid and uh, it just makes me so mad but. Anyway, so like when we're talking about the comparison of empires to people movements, like socialist and communist movements, I mean, after, after the World War II, there was the Cold War where we, you know, considered ourselves to be in co- competition with the communist empire. So, you know, there's basically the United States and the Soviet Union. And we considered our foreign policy was that any place in the world where communism spread, we were going to go there and crush it. Right, which was an awful idea.
0: What's that? It was an awful idea. I think it was an awful idea to just make this open-ended pledge that we're just going to go anywhere and dump any kind of resources and money into
1: fighting communism. Right, it's like, now become the war on terror. Right. The terrorists have become the new commies, but... And
0: I, yeah, which again, like all, just all nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, what I, I just feel like if we could have spent all the time and resources that we've spent trying to be the big brother of the world on our own country, then maybe we wouldn't be in such, <laughs> such bad times.
1: Right, so Stephen Kinzer wrote a really good book and I, I would advocate anybody who's interested in you know, the United States' history of overthrow of governments, um, I found it a really good book. And um, so, like, you know, right after World War II, okay, we started the Cold War, and, you know, we the first government I think that we overthrew is Iran. Um, so we overthrew the democla- democratically elected de- a person there who was uh, Muhammad Mudes- M- M- Moussadeh, <laughs> can't say his name, um, but we overthrew him because he threatened to nationalize the British oil companies that was there. So the British were in Iran and had control over all of Iran's oil. Right. And so most of that was like, you know, this is bullshit. This oil belongs to Iran. It should be helping the Iranian people. So we're just going to take the companies that are here. And I think he made an offer to pay the British government like so much like here's money for the factories you built. Here's severance of whatever. Get the fuck out. Right, which it's I like mean. Hours. And this is another one of those things where it's like people are like, well, we had no
0: option because you know, they were going to take all the and it's like, well, it's in their country. It's in their country. It's right. in their country. That's if right. this was America right. and in their position, we would be like, right. hell yeah, fuck those people. Like right. get them out
1: of here. Right. It just blows and my the, mind. And the really, they were they were seriously the British were seriously screwing Iran too. Like I think they were getting like ten percent of like the money from the oil that was coming out of their country. Like the British were just really being dicks about it. So anyway, uh, most of, most of that uh, comes to power through democratic elections, and we just do a military coup to overthrow him. Okay, and we put in uh, a dictator, which was a Shah of Iran. Um, And he ran a brutal Gestapo-style dictatorship over the Iranians. Now, when the Iranians eventually had the Iranian Revolution, they threw him over. Like, they were revolting against American and British, like, you know, I mean, it started with the British, but we, they knew that we were the ones that overthrew them. Right. So, there you go. Thus begins, you know, and that was in 1953. And then, in 1954, we overthrew guatemala so you had uh arbenz who was the president there and he threatened to nationalize the rockefeller-owned united fruit company so again he's like hey you know oh i know i love this i just watched this uh this movie that was based off of a,
0: a book um the movie is called war machine it's got brad pitt in it. i just watched it on netflix or hulu one of those and uh at one point, he's in there uh, talking to the president. They, they go into Afghanistan, and, you know, the whole mission there is, like, we'll try to get along with the people and, you know, kind of rebuild because we're, like, getting the hell out of here. Um, and he goes and he, he talks to the president, and he's like, we need to, you know, work together, and your people need to see you as the leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm coming here to ask you, like, is it okay that we move forward? In these efforts that I've planned out here and the president's basically in the in the movie anyway and it's based loosely on this book so it's like okay how much of it's dramatized but the president um is basically just like well we both know that you were going to do that anyway but you know thanks for the thanks for the theatrical show of asking me if it was okay yeah right
1: right, right. you know and
0: I, I was just like dude I, that's a perfect Uh, representation right there of how how it really is. Like, all right, yeah, I mean, thanks for asking me and pretending, like, so we can show these people that I'm in power,
1: but I'm really not playing your games because we all know who's pulling the strings. So let's just not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because in the whole world, this is the problem is that people in the United States of America, even though all of this information is accessible through the National Archives, through declassified documents of what the CIA has done all over the world, um, People in America still have this fantasy,
0: are in denial, that,
1: that the U.S. is some good force of good, taking our military around the world to spread freedom and democracy. And when you look at what the CIA did, it's just funny that we seem to every single uh... country that we overthrew, like there were horrible dictators who mass murdered people and we supported them because they were better for our u.s interest yeah Whenever it's I hear funny say that US that when people interest, were like I'm oh like, no it's corporate interest, yeah, Don't we're say going US to, interest. Uh,
0: spread democracy and freedom and it's like funny how every time we do that we just somehow come out benefiting that's really oh, yeah. weird isn't it it's like just,
1: it's just crazy wow how how lucky we are so, so anyway you know, what was like, funny was one of the emails that got released that hillary between hillary and one of her her little minions um uh, Neera Tanden that got exposed by WikiLeaks. Neera Tanden emails Hillary and she's like, hey, like, I was just thinking, you know, and this is just me talking like in a funny voice, but basically mm-hmm. the gist was, you know, Hillary, we should go in and, you know, take over Libya, but like domestically people are gonna get tired of footing the bill tax dollar wise, you know, for like overthrowing these countries. So like, what if we just take their oil? I mean, like as payment for like us overthrowing them. So, Hillary was like a big effing warmonger and like it was t- they're they just no different than the Republicans right. who are all for overthrowing governments to to get the resources there, which by the way Libya Libya is in utter destruction right now and I'm not saying Gaddafi was a was a decent guy. I'm saying they have open slave markets there where they're selling human beings there now. Like, that's what Libya is now. Thanks, Hillary. Like, I, so no, no one of the parties is any better than the other when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's whether they're in bed with corporate people. Because if you notice, Bernie said that, um, you know, he, uh, he's against these wars and that he's against a military industrial complex. Like, oh, my God. I think like we actually have somebody of, uh, saying that they're going to end these wars that are nothing money but money out corporate. of
0: politics, too, It's a big, scary phrase that Bernie uses. Oh, big time. That we want to get money out of politics because it's like, you know, and I always say that to people who are, like, so against voting for Bernie. And I'm like, listen, uh, you could put up a four years of any presidency. You know, it's not like a president walks in and can magically flip right. the world upside down. So. What's the worst that could happen? What if he actually goes in there and the and, and the only thing he gets done is that he gets money out of politics? How can you say that's a bad thing? Oh, be a real how, bad how, thing for some people, <laughs> but not not the common man.
1: <laughs> not for. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: just it, like have you seen that meme of like the middle-aged white lady just like screaming at the top of her lungs, and it's like people who make forty thousand dollars a year getting mad that Bernie's going after billionaires. Right. It's like, it's like this average lady like screaming it's like why why, why are you so mad okay, And like, i'm gonna go protecting protecting back to that them? too
1: because like
0: you're you're with us poor get over it like so, so anyway we, yeah yeah we went on for like 45 minutes here talking about uh basically everything else but yeah. um what we are talking about today for the for the main portion of things i guess for the rest of this is
1: uh income inequality so um and if you look at if you look at go back and look at all these like there's a whole list of them i have here you know um haiti And then, you know, the Bay of Pigs invasion, that was with Cuba, um, Ecuador, Congo, uh, where we've assassinated people, Dominican Republic, Brazil. We actually did try to overthrow Venezuela once before in 2002, and we kidnapped their leader, Hugo Chavez. And we took him to some undisclosed location, and we did a military coup, so we sent people in there to kind of arrest him and spirited him away, and we told people here in the press, like, oh, no, we've saved the people. So it's like we were saving the people of Venezuela from Hugo Chavez. But when Hugo came to power, like, people were in abject poverty, and he, what he did is he took the country's oil resources, because Venezuela is the third, you know, largest oil um, producer in the world, and they, he was going to use the oil proceeds to help the poor. Fancy that! So he built schools, and he did, you know, gave people free health care. He did all these things for the people, but of course, that pissed off corporate interests who wanted to be in Venezuela making money off Venezuela's oil. So we started to demonize, demonize Chavez here and say that he was horrible and he was a dictator and all these things. And so we kidnapped him, and CIA uh, was behind this military coup and the people came out in the streets in insane numbers saying like, give us our president back. Like they love Chavez. So it was a complete failure because, you know, our propaganda met reality on the street in Venezuela and the guards who were actually very loyal to Hugo Chavez ended up arresting the coup leaders and holding them prisoner in the palace until Chavez was brought back. So it's really funny to me and yes, uh, you know Venezuela is having a lot of economic problems and there's t- two main reasons for that because Chavez because they had oil was all their main industry um, he used oil as credit his line of credit with the world to get all the things for his people when the price of oil dropped it was devastating for Venezuela because that was their main source of money so it's like all of a sudden their money was worth so much less and he had, got them kind of in debt with all these social programs. So that was part of it. But the other part of it was we've been waging economic sanctioned warfare against Venezuela. We took $10 billion of their money that was their money that they owned, and we kept it, and we said, we're not giving it back to you until, you know, well, actually it was Maduro now. Maduro um, came after Chavez, but um, he kind of continued the same policies of, like, what we do for our government is for the people not for, you know, corporate interest or whatever. So we continue to demonize Maduro. And it's just such a ridiculous propaganda war. Like if you actually listen to the other side of it, you know, when they tell you, oh, look, socialism is failing in Venezuela. And this is constantly the beating of the drum on Fox News and the people on the right. Oh, Venezuela, look what happens with socialism. They're trying to make the United States like socialism. You'll be standing in line for food. And they do all this fear mongering. When the reason Venezuela is crippled is because we are not letting any goods get into their country. America is such a bully that we tell everybody in the world, listen, until Venezuela caves and gives us what we want, we're going to just starve them to death. Like that's literally what we'll do to get these governments to capitulate and give our businesses entry to their markets instead of just leaving them the hell alone to like run their own countries. So it all comes down to economic inequality. You know they don't want countries to help their people; they want countries to help the corporate, our corporations and corporations and multinational corporations all over the world. So, and the same thing is happening right now. And uh, where else are we seeing? Um, Brazil, uh, Bolivia. Oh, Bolivia! Yeah, yeah. So Bolivia had elections, and their leader, who was elected. Um, was spirited out of the country at more or less gunpoint. I mean, he resigned, but, you know, and now this, uh, you know, leader down there, she just declared herself the president, and that's what they were trying to do with, um, you know, Maduro. They were trying to kick him out and have Juan Guaido just— who just declared himself the president after the elections in Venezuela. He just came out and said, I'm the real president. He wasn't even in the election because he boycotted the elections and told all of his supporters who aren't that many also to boycott the elections and then came out after the elections and said, the elections were fraudulent and I'm the president now. And the United States backed that because that's our guy. So it's all bullshit. It's all about economy. It has nothing to do with the, you know, it's all about business interests. Everything in the world right now is about business interests. So, anything else you want to add on that? No, I don't.
0: I just, uh, I don't know how many times I can repeat the same thing to try to make people understand that, you know, I, I don't know what... I don't I, I, don't see it as a generational difference thing because, you know, history has been repeating itself for
1: so long, so I don't know what it is that it's like... Well, I think it is a generational thing because people that were born, like the baby they're just boomers, they're in denial. They, they believe it. They want to believe in this you know fantasy that they've been taught that america is you know waving the flag and everything's all noble and good and we're for freedom we're for democracy and i'm like okay but actions actions speak louder than words right so i'm not anti-american what i'm saying is just look at the facts just go and look at our history of what we have actually done and then that brings us back to you know the history of income inequality in the united states so you know, when we talk about U.S. history, we tend to think of, okay, we go to school and we learn about, you know, George Washington, he's the first president, and, you know, the Declaration of Independence, and we wanted freedom from England for freedom of religion. We're told, like, all these little cute little myths about why we became a country. Oh, yeah,
0: right along with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I was just <laughs> thinking, like, uh, I remember in school when they used to put all these little plays and do these little, you know, little cutesy books of
1: Pilgrims
0: and Indians shaking hands, and you know they didn't even talk about any of those smallpox blankets or
1: nothing like. <laughs> yeah, and you're picturing yourself as Wednesday Adams, like yeah. I know that was in your head when you were talking about it. You're like, where Wednesday Adams goes to summer camp, yeah. and she's like her version of Thanksgiving. And she it's sets like, them all on fire. Yeah. No, yeah, it's just talk so, about
0: indoctrinating the youth, right? So um, like, just lies from the start.
1: So going back to before the United States was a country, because I think it's really important. And I'll be really quick, as fast as I can, about this. So, oh no,
0: take your time; it's fine.
1: The United States, um, the colonization of the United States, was primarily done by the British Empire, the French Empire, and the Spanish Empire. But to a lesser extent, they were like in Florida and Mexico, further south. Um, and then there were some Dutch. There were some smaller ones, but pretty much, um, you know, the British king sent uh, wanted to establish colonies here. So, and the difference between the British king and, say, the, the Spanish empire was the Spanish empire pretty much sent explorers to rape the natural resources and send it straight back to Spain. Get all the gold you can, fill the ships with, with treasures and whatever you get, and send it straight back to the crown. That was pretty much the line, the chain of command of how that went with the Spanish empire. So, but the British, what they did was they established three main colonies on the east coast of the United States and they were companies they called they 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 just called them companies and they um they were basically like stock uh stock holding like like the stock market you go to the stock market you buy stock in a company and however that company profits you get us that percentage of it right so like these colonies were little um basically stock companies and the wealthy and the crown had like stock in these little companies. There was three of them and, um, Plymouth was one. And I, and I can't remember the the three of them, but, um, but so basically they were established here with the sole purpose of profit. That's why they were here. They came here for resources. So, and there were so much resources here. There was lumber, there was, all kind of arable land that they could use so they were like ching we hit the jackpot right except for these pesky indians we have to deal with them so that was an issue but um even though like again in every situation they really
0: didn't have to deal with the indians they could have just been like listen we're gonna take 90 percent of your stuff but you can have this 10 percent." like they could have just kept them happy enough i guarantee the indians wouldn't have fought it because they weren't greedy they were just trying to live um so it's just another one of those situations where uh
1: no we have to have it all So we're going to destroy you to make sure we can have it all. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, I'm sure that there were, and there were Indian attacks that were um, against settlements that were, you know, reportedly unprovoked. And I'm sure that they were just like, who are these strange people in our territory? So I'm sure there were some attacks from Indians that were just like, you know, because here's these strange people in our land. We don't want them here, but there were, you're absolutely right. Like, If they, there were also occasions where there was communication and negotiation with the Indians. But the thing about Indian culture was that they didn't have a concept of private property. Right, exactly. So they didn't understand when the British were saying, well, we're going to buy this piece of land from you. They were like, well, sure, you can use it too. (laughs) Right, yeah, they had no concept that they were. In fact, that's one reason why Europeans have surnames. That's why we have a first name name. And a last name because you pass your life savings to your children. So you you have to have a last name so you can trace your lineage to hand over private property. Like, that's the purpose of a surname. And, like, the Indians didn't, didn't have, have them. Yep. No, there was no – they didn't even fence their field. So they just, you know, like, whatever. But anyway, so as people started to come here, like, when people wanted to come here, poor people. And there was, like, a big exp- – population explosion in England like 1700 so there are all these massively like massive poor people just kind of being vagabonds in England at the time so they're trying to establish colonies here you got a bunch of people over here that are poor and destitute so you want to get them out of the country but of course you know they want to figure out some way to manipulate this to get more so what it was is you would sign yourself and into indentured servitude to these British uh, governors of these, you know, colonies. And you would come over here and you would work for so many years and then you would get your freedom.
0: Oh, you know, kind of like how you do in America when you're born. (laughs) Just (laughs) an endangered servant only forever.
1: Right. (laughs) I mean, and like coming from empire over there where like if you're part of like the British kingdom – but if you just found out though that it was like something stupid, like, hey, remember when you
0: signed up for that library card when you were in fourth grade? That was actually an indentured servitude card. Right. Like, it just actually was just something real yeah. fucked up.
1: Social security
0: card. So secret. But no, like, no, not even a social security, card, like a <laughs> library card. Like, hey, you remember you signed up on that Walmart gift card?
1: Yep, that was it.
0: That was the thing you signed.
1: <laughs> and like the idea of, you know, kingdoms in Europe. So if you're if you're under the king you are it's like your dad like you have no you have no rights except through your dad allows you to do certain things but like the king is like the absolute controller of your life and but then in exchange for that the king would protect his kingdom and if you were part of his kingdom ostensibly you were subject to protection of the the, as one of the king's subjects but don't cross him because he'll, he'll cut your head off the guillotine but anyway so uh all these people signed up for an Which king was this? I'm sorry. It was uh, well, it was a couple different kings because it went on for a long period of time. But it was um, uh, King James the oh, first. Okay. Was the one that established the Plymouth Company and the London Company. That's the two. And there was a third one, but I can't remember it. But anyway, um, so and you know the average poor person could couldn't even feed themselves. So the idea of getting a ship to go across to the New World was It'd be like me and you saying we want to go to California, but first we gotta save enough money to build a 747, and then we gotta hire someone to fly it or train ourselves. Like it was ridiculous. Like people couldn't get over here unless they came through the established channels of wealth. So you came here and you became an indentured servant. Now it's important to know that there were uh, black people and white people, um, well, people of all colors, that came here. As free people, like as indentured servants with the potential to be free. So regardless of your color, if you came here and you served your time as an indentured servant, you got out, you were free. Right. Okay. So slavery in the sense that we think of it, you know, in the Civil War era, um, didn't exist quite then.
0: So... Yeah, they talk about, I've actually read and seen a couple... Um, like YouTube videos about this, where it's like, you know, before the Civil War, before slavery, um, like it, it wasn't always that way. It's, no, not, no, like no. It, it's not like we always had uh, African American people enslaved just up until. Right. You know, so, the what Civil happened War. was,
1: and this is important how this happened because so blacks and whites from written historical record and pictures and different, all kinds of different things we have from that era, blacks and whites lived together worked together and married and had the same rights under the law okay
0: so because back then they realized it was poor folk versus rich folk <laughs> in a sense yes
1: because we were just labor we were right, just exactly. servants there okay? was no there
0: was no divisiveness between the poor because right
1: so then what poor, happened so. was um what happened was the the population boom that happened in England like started to dry up and like less and less people were signing themselves up for indentured servitude. So the landowners here that were using all of this indentured servitude labor, this free labor they had, people were going to start getting free, getting out of jail, and their labor was starting to dry up. So what they did was they started to punish the servants, the indentured servants, for the most small infraction by, well, now you have to be in in servitude for five more years. So they would take them to court, basically, and say, you know, you committed this offense against me, and for thereby, I ask for you to be, you know, your indentured servitude extended, okay? So after a number of egregious (laughs) extensions, the servants got a little bit pissed off because they realized a scam was being played on them that, you know, they're just really being now becoming lifelong slaves. And so they they had a rebellion. It was called Bacon's Rebellion. So the workers all got together and they had this huge rebellion that lasted for, I think, almost a year. And eventually it was put down um, by the military. um, But, and people were, you know, subsequently punished or whatever. But the fear among these, um, you know, governors of, oh my God, like, we barely put this rebellion down, like, what the shit, you know? So they devised a strategy to keep the workers from, you know, having a common interest. And what they did, they started to pass all these laws that affected blacks different from whites. And prior to that um, time period, there was no, quote, white people. They were—people refer- people from Europe were referred to from their place of origin— so, you were Irish or you were Dutch or you were English or you were from Spain. You were from your national, place of your national origin where you came from. Like, you weren't defined as white because people didn't consider them, an Irish person didn't consider themselves ethnically the same as a French. So, um, but, but the point was they didn't want their workers to be united this way. So, what they did, they started to divide them and say, you know um well whites are gonna have these these rights but any non-white is gonna not have those rights and it started and what year was this i think it was like 1641 is when they first started making the laws that um
0: it's just crazy to see that all the things in history that have been done and forgotten about that that one stuck for so long like what a jackpot of figuring out how to keep people divided because we literally still do it now. So.
1: Exactly, and what and what this in a lot of um, a lot of historians talk about this and they explain how effective it was because really the elites of the day, the one percent of the day, who wanted to divide whites and non-whites. Um, whites that they they gave all these rights to, these supposed great rights, they economically, the whites didn't do any better than the non-whites. They didn't get elevated in status. They didn't get to become wealthy. They were just treated better than the non-whites. And so it created a sense of elitism among poor people. So you're still just as poor as your non-white neighbor, but you're better than him. And it's amazing, like you said, how that stuck. And sometimes when I see these, you know, um, and I'll pick on the MAGA people. When I see the MAGA people, like you said, people making like forty thousand dollars a year that support billion, <laughs> the Republican Party, who's <laughs> yeah. about or any any politician you're never who's,
0: gonna be that guy so <laughs> right like why are you supporting someone why are you who's, punching your enemy in the mouth or you're punching your oh, uh, comrade in the mouth to support the enemy i don't i don't get that it
1: doesn't so doesn't I make think any
0: logical sense
1: all of the news media that propagates this racial the racial differences among us it's the one percent and i don't care if it's cnn or fox news you know if you watch cnn and they say that um a black person was shot by the police you know if say for example the black person who was shot by the police was shot while they were holding up a bank CNN will leave that out
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> because they always want to be on the PC side and they always want to be on the side of catering you know, to liberals yeah. To, yeah catering to liberals and making them outraged about injustice which there is real police brutality and there is real injustice but not every single case. Right, and yeah, so, well,
0: and that's, that's that's what I keep saying about, everybody keeps saying, like, oh, well, Trump will be out of office in 2020, and I'm like, I don't know, I just, as much as I, you know, hope and hope and hope and hope that Bernie will get it this time, I just feel like the, the divisiveness and the um, elitist attitude of the left is is going to hand the election right to them That coupled with the fact that you know damn well the DNC is, you know, pushing for old crusty Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> oh Lord, help us! So yeah, right. Seriously, Lord help us because we don't want him either. So it's like we're going to come down to another uh, Hillary Trump thing. And um, I think well now Bloomberg
1: jumped in too. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, come on, seriously. I saw that. How can anyone even take that guy seriously? I mean, I think he lives in such a bubble because he's part of the New York, powerful New York Democratic establishment. Like, he's part of that power network of New York. But guess what? So was Hillary. Right. And she went whoosh. And that's where Bloomberg would go whoosh down the toilet. Because Democrats, I don't know about Republicans, but Democrats are pretty much like, I mean, I think I think Republicans right now, if you say you had somebody who ran against Trump on the Republican side, whoosh, because... He has that kind of thing where they're just like, no, we're not accepting anyone who we don't believe has our interest. And right now, they're duped into thinking that Trump has their best interest. Right, yeah,
0: absolutely no. But the Republicans have absolutely no chance of anybody running against him. I mean, we already know Trump's, he's going to be the Republican ticket.
1: Well, there's been a couple people kind of jump
0: in, but
1: they jumped back out. Yeah, they're not going to,
0: they're just, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it, which is how it always is. You know what I mean? When Obama was up for re-election, uh, you know, everybody knew. Everybody well, and there's he was going to get it
1: and there's but there's progressives right now that are actually saying that Trump is going to be impeached and he's going to be out by January. I don't think it's going to happen. And the reason that they're saying that is because um, if you're going to impeach Trump, right? Well, let me put it this way. It's not that we're going to impeach him and convict him and remove him from office by January. That's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is these impeachment proceedings are going to put so much heat on the Republicans. So much information is going to come out. That they'll start backing somebody else. They'll go to Trump and do what they did with Nixon because Nixon had tremendous support among Republicans. But as the more the evidence came out, the more they were looking like if they supported him, they were going to have egg on their face big time. They pretty much turned on Nixon and went to him and said, listen, you're going to resign. Because you're not, because if you don't resign, we're going to vote against you and you're going to get impeached out of office. So if the Republicans went to Trump, if they ever like, collectively yeah, found a pair of balls and shared those balls. Missing,
0: <laughs> that you think that they're going to turn on him because they don't want to look like they have egg on their face. But uh, I think the Republicans uh, that are in that position, that are like, oh, we don't want to look bad, also realize that Trump supporters are backing him no matter what. Well, so if they turn around and they're like, no, we're going to turn on Trump because we don't want to look stupid all his supporters are going to be against them. And they're basically committing career
1: suicide there too. You're, you're right about some people. Like Lindsey Graham, for example, is in a hard red area. So Lindsey Graham to turn against Trump would be, I mean, we well, just look what happened with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, when Trump was running for office, called him a habitual liar, said he was amoral. He was uh, stupid. I mean, Lindsey Graham literally destroyed Trump in the media. Um, coming up to the 2016 election. And then when Trump became president, was like, oh, my master. And the same thing happened with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was just bashing Trump. And then when Trump became president, it was like, yes, master. Because now they realize, like now Trump's base has proven to you they have power. And so you don't want to piss them off. So you're right about that in really red districts. But there are places where Republicans um and Trump's base is really small, and he's made it smaller. He's made it more powerful, more potent, but it's shrinking because there are people who, do, who are on the Republican side who do have some ethics right, and Right, yeah, morals. not
0: all Republicans are. Um, I don't even consider these extremist MAGA people as, as part of the Republican Party. I really don't at this point. I mean, they're kind of the Tea Partiers. I, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of Republicans, you know, people who just believe in, those hot button issues like gun rights and they don't believe in abortion and they believe in family values and this and that and it's just like you know I don't I don't agree with the shit that they agree with but it's like I can come to that ground where it's like all right free country you know you you have the right to believe what you want to believe and that that is what it is but those people from his base are not you know they're not (laughs) They're, they're not the same. They're well, not the same. They're not. Green. No, there's
1: a cult. There's a cult. I call it the cult of Trump. I mean,
0: and it's the same people, you know, just on like on the left side, the people who are still to this day, like crying about Hillary not oh, being president. And they're awful. I mean, for a while there, I couldn't post anything about Bernie Sanders without these people like just coming after you. And you know what's so crazy? You know? Like, like well, Camel- you, you voted for Bernie. Well, you're the reason why Hillary lost. You're the enemy. You're as bad as them. And I'm just like, you guys are psychopaths. Like, <laughs> like the nuts. other
1: day, I thought that Hillary had died. Because I thought Kamala Harris inherited her worshippers. Because some lady was actually on Twitter saying, "Oh, I met Kamala today, and I touched her arm," and she was like, just crying. It's fucking weird, dude. Come I know. on, they're like, just people. They're hum- They're supposed to be our employees. Like, stop glorifying. Like, that's the one thing I didn't like about Obama. Like, I, I like the fact that we finally had a black president. Because I thought oh, my God, like, we've turned the corner now. We're not going to be racist assholes anymore as a country. <laughs> well, that, well did- <laughs> that did not work out, did it? That did not. But then Obama turned out to be a fucking asshole. So, like, <laughs> Well, I do think, though, I do think in the... Um, you he
0: know, was just as much of a war right. bombing corporate dick as everybody else. So- <laughs> the only good thing about that is I do think as far as, uh, you know, like, even watching my niece mm. now who... Obviously, you know, has some people in her life that are all of different political opinions, but we're not talk about politics around her because she's like four. <laughs> um, but she knows who the president is, you know, um, and she says a Pledge of Allegiance at school, and, you know, she's just learning that stuff because she's a kid. But I do think a big impact on a lot of kids um, but that all this time we have all these representatives that are all just like white men. And mm-hmm. as time goes on, you know, we, we had a black president. So, I mean, think of all the black kids that never saw anyone that they could you know relate, relate to. to and yeah. now they're like wow you know someone who looks like me was president right No, that know? was a good like, thing okay, if, a good if you got to take any takeaway from it you know children who are innocent and they don't you know what i mean they don't
1: know one way or the other anything about political and they policies, can know but... that in the sense of politics they have complete equal rights because obama was just as big an asshole as every other <laughs> president so congratulations you have equal rights when it comes to being a president <laughs> but i mean
0: even still though i mean again it's it's good that they they're just children so they didn't see all that but i mean all the things that people did to obama it doesn't for all the things that he did wrong it still doesn't take away for how people treated him because he was black i mean people no, right, no. hanging up those dolls that were yeah. like lynchings of him and yeah. all that i mean that just the, the true racists brought themselves out and in and that respect thing, it's, too. Like, it's I, like i hope that they the kids got to see like look somebody who looks like me became president and i hope that had that positive impact but at the same time I hope they didn't see the backlash. Right. Because it was
1: awful. And, and I, I, can't, I can't imagine. Were you surprised that Obama wasn't assassinated? No,
0: I'm not. I, like by I some don't think, racist person? No, I don't think that... You know, I was just talking about this earlier and I was talking about these protests in Hong Kong and Chile that Americans are kind of pussies. <laughs> We're not really willing don't to sacrifice. people because I think the CIA would
1: take Bernie out or try to.
0: We're not... Uh, yeah, maybe the CIA, but not just some random rogue person. I mean, the idea that like... Some person is so uh, willing I don't to know, sacrifice some dude shot themselves. Reagan, it was a
1: nobody. Well, we think he was a nobody, but yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, but that, again, that's
0: a different time. And this time, 2019, I don't know. I just don't think people are willing to. They're not as uh, as consumed, as, is angry as we are at each other. Basically, all we're willing to do is get on Facebook and argue with each other. Nobody actually wants to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when people talk about all these. Oh, this is gonna happen. Is, we're gonna do this, and there's gonna be a revolution. I'm just like, y'all won't even get off your fucking phones. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Good luck. I mean,
1: I maybe if she's threatening to take their phone away, they'd take up arms. Yeah, off. as
0: I said, the only revolution that's gonna happen in this country is if uh, we get a president who like cuts off the internet or like you yeah. know something like that. It's just <laughs> maybe that's why you know Trump's like doing these trade deals with China. Maybe he'll uh, think twice because if people can't get their iPhones, you know. Well, be, the thing about China is, I mean,
1: Trump's been ragging on... First, he started with Japan, and then he's... I mean, like, I'm talking decades ago. And I think it's just part of Trump's psychology that, um, you know, he thinks he has to be the best at everything, but he sucks. <laughs> and he was brought up by a dad who was like, listen, you're either the biggest guy on the block or you're a loser. And so, you know... You ain't
0: 1st so, or last. Yeah. I mean, Bobby he, I mean,
1: I think his dad was an abusive <laughs> dick, and I think it probably lended itself a lot to his psychology, but... You know, it's like he's so like over the top, braggardly, grandiose about everything. He has to be one number one in everything. And so if Trump isn't number one in something, it's not because of him. Because he's somebody an extreme
0: narcissist. It's somebody else. Yeah, which so, is crazy too because his base is always talking about, you know, snowflakes and nobody wants to take responsibility and blah, blah. And I'm just like dude, I don't know. Again, here I am in between party lines and uh, I get sick of people (laughs) not taking personal responsibility
1: either, but he's one of them. So it's like...
0: Right, so like, Like,
1: I mean, his businesses, if his businesses fail or some, some business in America is not doing well, it's like somebody else's fault. And I'm not saying that China doesn't do things like manipulating their currency and doing different things to try and have a leg up. But here's my thing. Like, how can you argue that... The economy is booming. It's so great. I mean, look at everything that's gone on, like how our, our stock market has just gone up and up and up and up. And also say every country in the world has been screwing America for 20 years. And I'm going to say, well, if they're all screwing us, like how did how did our economy well, get Well, I don't so know. Good? I mean,
0: see, when I get into discussions with this, it's, again, I, I try to see the other side. And it's like, I do think in a lot of situations that we – we are getting taken advantage of. A, a big one is like why we give so much money to Israel. Like why do we do that? <laughs> why are we still doing that? Um, that's a whole
1: nother show. But nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody, talks about it, right? So that's the crazy thing. And it's because like, you're anti-Semitic if you criticize I Israel. I know,
0: but like it just when you talk to just people on our level yeah, yeah. start talking about politics, and they're like, eh, I don't want my taxes going to you know feed some welfare queen popping out babies. And I'm like, yeah. So how do you feel about all that money we give to Israel though? And they're like, what? Actually, I'm like, why are you all even worried about this stupid shit? You know what? We probably pay more in corporate bailouts than we do (laughs) for food stamps. Like, I I just don't get the outrage. Well, and I
1: mean, if you if you stop and look at like, it's so funny because politics does make strange bedfellows. So like, I think that Trump came to power through the election through like the perfect storm because Hillary was so hateable. And then you had all of these, like when people say Trump is a populist, I wrote an article about this for Op-Ed, they called Trump a populist, okay, and in my mind, a populist is a figure who speaks to the common needs and wants of an entire group of people,
0: Yeah, right? which, I mean, he lost a popular vote, so I wouldn't say that
1: at all, you know? But I mean, what I'm saying is, he he's not a populist in the sense that, like, Bernie Sanders is a populist, because Bernie Sanders is saying, listen... Um, even though we might disagree on these particular issues, the vast majority of us agree on the economic, the economic stuff is shit for people at the bottom. Right. So he's running on a truly populist message. Trump pulled in the alt-right Nazis. He pulled in average everyday workers who don't have a racist bone in their body, who are tired of their jobs disappearing. He pulled in the evangelical nutbag Christians. He pulled in all of these groups and then he got people who just hated Hillary. So, So, It was like, he's not really a populist. He's like a conglomerist. (laughs) He's he's a conglomeration of all. And what's happened over the course of his presidency is he's lost little bits of these. Yeah, I
0: know, man. The farmers aren't happy with him. That's for damn sure. Right. I mean, they're not happy. So I'm like, all of those states out that way are not going to be very happy with him. And then, of course, of course, I don't know. All these coal miners here still preach for Trump. And I'm like, y'all are laid off. Like, and you're. No, not all of them. No, not um, all of them. What do you mean? Oh yeah, well, no, not all of them. Yeah, not all the. They're starting to crack too, but because they're starting to think it just kills me that like, how how can you even, you know what I'm saying? I just I I don't know. I don't get where people's logic from this stuff comes from. It just I guess I've just once I was past the age of like 15 or 16, which I talked about this on the last podcast too, was that I was a big Obama supporter when I was a teenager because I was just getting into politics and it just seemed like you know, hope and change and all this shit, but then, like, the older you get, the more you learn about history, the more you actually look at what's going on besides what you see on TV, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, shit, like, I was wrong. Um, And I I don't know what the issue is with, I I don't understand people who are full-grown adults that have the access to, like, know what's actually going on, and they still choose to believe, like, whatever their party agrees with rather than just, like, what's actually, I guess that's, that's that's the biggest thing
1: for me. Bigly. Well, see, see, psychologists. And <laughs> it's if you do, huge, it, it, it's, it's huge. huge. If you and I don't know, is that Trump or is that Bernie now? Like, because Trump used to say huge, and they'd make fun of him. But like, I think it's a New York thing, so <laughs> it's, it yeah, applies it's to New Trump York and thing. Bernie because Bernie says he used to but it. Um, psychologists used to have a theory that we are sort of the sum of our experiences. So when we're born, we're a blank slate. It's called tabla rasa, right? Like blank slate. Okay. And then as you grow up, you have these experiences and it makes you into the person that you are. But right. But we have a conscious choice, but to be
0: like, listen, I learned all of this stuff. And this, I mean, I get that. This is why people grow up religious and they continue to be religious or they grow up in a Republican family and continue to be Republican. I get that. But it's like, at a certain point, does your does your mind not reach a level where you're like, I can make my own choices, like I can receive my own
1: information and change my mind, like right? Well, now <laughs> because because we've we've examined enough people, like therapists have had you know enough years and years of researching people that you could have a woman who grows up in a home with an abusive father. You could have two women who grow up in homes with abusive fathers, and one will go with an abusive man, and one will. Like overreact to anything a man does, to to not be in that situation. So like, or someone grows up with alcoholic parents. Some people become alcoholics, and other people never touch alcohol.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: what they have come to current uh, philosophy or in psychology about personality now is that when you're born, you have a certain predisposition. So that let's say you and I are born with a quote conservative brain and a and a liberal brain. So we're at school and we're playing with toys and some kid comes over and wants a toy and he's bigger and he just yanks the toy off of another kid and we're both watching this happen like the child with that has a tendency towards more of a conservative like aggressive kind of take what you want kind of personality is gonna be like yeah man and then the other child is gonna see that as like that was horrible so kind of as you grow up if you're predisposed to have an opinion a feeling about a situation that throughout your life you're going to reinforce your own beliefs as opposed to like really looking at anything objectively and that kind of makes sense to me so then i started to wonder okay like say racism for example is there like can we declare racism as a mental illness this was my my theory in my brain like my my hypothesis could we say at some point that racism is a form of mental illness because it it doesn't biological biologically make any sense to be a racist yeah it's almost like a um it's like a neurosis it it would be like a a phobia yeah so then there hasn't been a lot of like in-depth research done into that but um there's been some research done into where they've asked people to self-declare whether they feel they're more conservative or more liberal and then they examine those people's brains and what they found is that people who are self-declared conservatives have a larger amygdala. So they have more fear
0: response. They have
1: more fear response. Well, that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. And (laughs) I always felt like, I always felt like these flag-waving, gun-toting, you know, super macho people are the biggest scared shitless people I've ever seen in my life because if you're really courageous, you don't have to go around like sticking your chest out of people. Like you're you're confident in your strength to where you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, we have a weird
0: thing in this country, and I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but I just me as a person who likes to analyze people's emotions and their thought processes and things like that, I just have found that people are very afraid of being vulnerable. And it's like those type of people that walk around like puffing their chest out, like you're never gonna you're never gonna see them ever act in a way of compassion because then that might show some Weakness. vulnerability. And they yeah, right. they associate being vulnerable with being, being weak. weak. Right. And I just think quite the opposite because it's like I don't know how many times I've put myself in extremely vulnerable positions and it's it's terrifying. I mean, I'm just as terrified as they would be, but I, I still do it. You know what I mean? So it's almost like I, I again, another one of those things that seems to make perfect sense to me. Because it's like, well, here it is. Like that makes perfect sense. If you're willing Mm -hmm. to show vulnerability, it's because you're not afraid. Even though, you know, everyone sees it as a weakness, and you you are opening yourself up. You're basically laying your belly to the beast. And it's like, if you're brave enough to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what shows bravery not not hiding it. But it's that makes sense to me. But then, yet we we still have the problem. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, where is the disconnect here?
1: Well, I think too, like the political discourse, the way we're going on about it, and I, and I try to scold my progressive friends about this, that if, prog- if Republicans, if conservatives are really reacting out of an honest-to-God, like, fear response, like, I'm afraid if I accept homosexuality, the next thing you know, I might have to question my own. Like, that's their thought process. Like, if they accept a Muslim, it's like, if they accept anything that they're afraid of, accepting it is the first step to becoming that thing they're so afraid of so just like in religion like if you think about the sin that's the first slippery slope step on the slippery slope to sinning so to be obedient you have to not text you i think it protects them like yes they strange where to you and i as liberals as progressives cognitive dissidence is a good thing so when we feel uncomfortable about something, like if somebody says something really controversial to you and you're like, you know, like, oh, like, wait, what? Like, and it makes you like uncomfortable. You want to find out why. Yeah. Why does that bother me? Like, it'll bother you till you figure out why it bothers you. To a conservative person, when someone does something that offends them, like offends their sense of protectiveness, they just attack it. Well, and see, normally I would agree with that, but I just, (sighs) so
0: many people on the left have become like that they just you know instantly scream if you don't agree with them that you're you know racist or homophobic or or whatever
1: let me me pose this thought to you that if it's true that we're born with either a conservative or liberal brain how do we know that people who have adopted a liberal ideology aren't just as easily um, afraid of things as the conservative it's just so basically, what I'm saying is, the person who reacts like a conservative, but is but over liberal issues, is really just a conservative.
0: Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. They just I have mean, the, get they just have saying. the
1: liberal ideology, but they're having the reactions of a conservative brain. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying.
1: Conversely, just, I'm like that with certain issues because I was brought up in an extremely conservative family. Well, that's
0: what I'm saying too. I mean, we we live in West Virginia, and basically everybody I've been around is has super, I mean, I can, I can remember wearing a John Lennon t-shirt when I was like 13 and my grandfather being like, get that shirt off, <laughs> that's call me bastard, blah, blah. and I'm just like, all right, dude, calm down, like,
1: my parents told me that Sesame Street was communist. You know why? Because they showed kids of all races playing together. That's really weird. The secret PC invasion. No, the secret, um, what do they call that? The Trojan horse communism is multiculturalism oh my god yeah that's
0: some whack-ass shit they're
1: seriously xenophobic (laughs) my family's seriously fucking xenophobic yeah
0: it's crazy i mean even like you know just in my household literally everyone both my parents and my brother are super like anti-abortion but i'm not you know what i mean it's like I always heard the same things and the same values and this and that and the other, but yet when I like read the information for myself, I still developed a different opinion. So it's like, I don't know. I guess, I guess out of all the things politically that I look at the thing that confuses me the most, and I feel like we're never going to really progress on anything unless we can figure out how to communicate with each other. Um, and that's the thing that gets me the most is it's like even just on a face to face level, when I try to talk to people and it's like the divisive language and just the
1: shittiness and it's like,
0: yeah, man, why you gotta be like that? Like, right. we're just having a conversation. Well, what I was gonna say that?
1: about progressive like, is that I try to scold my progressive friends sometimes to like not be, don't uh, act like a fucking elitist. Like, no, well, that too, but don't attack Trump people because. If you attack them and call them ignorant, call them stupid and call them hateful and call them racist. Now I'm not saying there aren't some people that aren't racist who are Trumpers, okay? But what I'm right, saying you know, is... No, but you
0: got to set a line. Like, listen, if you you can still do all that shit, but just do it to the people who are already too far gone to save. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I troll people all the time. No doubt. I definitely do it. Like, people... Stop it! People laugh at me all the time because they're like, oh, I saw you in the local news comments just, like, trolling away. Which, like, most of the time I just, I'm just, like, I point out the contradiction and then people attack me. And then I just like snarkily defend myself. And it's like, you know, it's, it's fucking but stupid. Love but it, don't you? I do. I do love that. I really do. But at that point, because it's just like, these people aren't going to have a conversation with me about politics. So it's like, what's the point? You know, I'm, I'm going to laugh about this because it's the only way I can handle it since there's no real conversation Okay, going but if on.
1: progressives want to act like the grown-up in the room, which we always fucking do, want to act like we're the grown-ups in the room. Okay, if you really want to be the grown-up in the room and you think that Trump people are reacting to progressivism out of fear stop attacking them yeah
0: no I get that because like, you're only I...
1: exacerbating the differences whenever my feeling is and I don't want to sound all mushy but my feeling is that love can solve most problems Aww. oh I know is there it's some sad music sad. we need a soundboard we could play some music
0: now it's like a full house <laughs> moment
1: let's zoom in let's zoom in on the faces <laughs> <laughs> I, I pose like heard. my face froze <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Then fade the black. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you're right, though, that when you try to engage somebody and they're so such an asshole, it's, sometimes like, uh, it's really hard. But I think you have to stop your own sense of anger from emerging and just ask questions because this is the thing I'm bad at. Well, no, dude, I, I want to prove my points that. to people, and I sometimes like will become a lawyer and I'm like, but listen, here's the evidence. Your Honor I know, yeah. da, 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 da. And I just bludgeon <laughs> people with the facts and they're I just like I am so of harsh. Too.
0: I and am I just need to really, really
1: like listen to people and like say, you know, the people that are upset because their jobs are leaving and you know they believed in Trump like, seize on the fact that they believed in this guy who's seriously fucking them over.
0: Well, you know, something I like, feel bad the for them
1: a little bit.
0: People that I've talked to and they, you know, open up, like, oh, well, I voted for him because I work in this industry and I have to vote for self-interest or whatever. And I'm like, I get that. I understand that completely. But then when you say something like, well, he's going to bring this industry back, and I'm like, well, actually, you know, that's that's not what's going to... That's not what this thing he's trying to do is going to do. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like they feel insulted because they were misinformed. Mm-hmm. So they instantly go into, like, a defensive mode. They get triggered. Right. And I'm like, listen, I'm not even saying that. And it's not your fault that you were misinformed. Like, I got to play, like, a... You know what I mean? I don't want to talk down to people, but it's just like, calm down. Like, I it's not I will say, don't
1: fault. try to relate to them by also agreeing with them that Hillary was fucking horrible because all they'll want to talk about is how horrible... And there's, yeah, yeah, there's never enough that. time in a day to talk about how horrible I've tried she was.
0: that. I've tried common ground methods. <laughs> like, yeah, she's a fucking wench. I get it. But
1: then as soon as you turn back towards Trump, it's like the nails come out. Yeah, so, like, try to I avoid t- Trump I try to talk and just about, talk about the issues with them I and try to talk to people,
0: Bernie, somebody just said to me the other day, because everybody always, like, calls me crazy socialist, and I'm like, listen, we don't need to go putting labels on things, but, uh, <laughs> you know, th- they said that uh, Bernie had made the statement about how uh, gun buybacks are just a waste of time because nobody's going to fucking do that. No. And they're like, I can't believe he said that. That's crazy. But And I was like, who, who told you that Bernie – like, wanted to take your guns away, dude. Like, he's literally, as far as I know, his stance all along has just been,
1: like, common sense gun laws. You know what I mean? Like, did he did he ever pull a Beto, like, we're going to take all your guns. Actually, Bernie got an F from the NRA because, um, I think he got a D from the NRA. But in any event, he actually passed a law in, um, Vermont, which said that, um, gun manufacturers... Cannot, cannot be, be held liable.
0: Yeah. If, For the, gun use, is,
1: if the gun is ma- if the gun functions as it is supposed to be a Yeah, I know. P- people got all pissed like, off when that Sandy Hook happened and they said, No, you can't sue the gun
0: manufacturers. And Bernie's like, Yeah, I don't disagree. Why would you sue the manufacturer? They didn't do anything. And people yeah. were like, Bernie loves dead yeah. kids. And I'm like, No, that's not like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> that's not what he said. Oh my um, God. Yeah, so it is crazy that I do try to talk to people about Bernie. And other ones I hear I hear is that he's never had a job. And now he just runs. He's just a lazy. Never had a job. And now he's running for president. And I'm like, okay, that's also strange. I don't know where you. Right, because
1: being a senator Um, for all those years was not (laughs) a job.
0: Right. So yeah, I try. I've tried to um, instead of even having the conversation about like, well, why did you vote for him? And well, have you ever considered this? I just go straight to, what do you know about Bernie Sanders? And let me just tell you what I know about Bernie Sanders. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's. That's just what I go to now. But mm-hmm. I
1: find that... Well, you know what, more, here's what I tell people. Nobody
0: wants to talk to me about politics. I
1: tell, I tell people this, that... Because most of the people claim they vote for, they voted for Trump over economic issues. Well, Bernie Sanders voted against NAFTA because he said... And he wanted to pull out of the TPP. So. He said, if we pass NAFTA, what's going to happen is corporations are going to go all over the world looking for the cheapest labor and it's going to be a race to the bottom. Yep. Is exactly, And he was exactly right. And, you know, Bernie's not, he's a humanitarian. So it's not that he doesn't care about people in, you know, other countries being treated like horribly over labor. But his he said, like, his priority is to take care of workers in America.
0: Right. And you know what? I'm just saying, y'all want to vote for a businessman? Why are you voting for the white guy? Like, you need to vote for the Jew. I mean,
1: are we going to vote He's be not real? a businessman, though. He wrote a book, but.
0: No, I'm just saying, like, you're going to vote for this guy who claims to a businessman. But don't say that because they'll
1: think you mean Bloomberg, though. Okay. <laughs> I you know what he, I'm
0: saying? Like I think he might on. be Jewish. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't know Berg. His last name's ending Berg. It's probably. It's That's probably so his racist name. about us. No, I'm not
1: trying to be racist, but <laughs>
0: yeah, I have a really awful. Is sense that pro-Semitic
1: right? if you're like anybody with a name Berg? Oh, dude,
0: Jewish. no. Crazy though. Uh, when I was watching that, my night, best friend is Jewish. That's a uh, Devil Next Door about Ivan the Terrible. I was gonna say this earlier too. Is that it? First of all, anytime anybody associates like a politician to Hitler, I'm just like, shut the fuck up because I'm like a big World War II buff and like watching all the stuff about the Holocaust and like this. And I'm like, just don't. That's like what an insult to even associate anything that happened in the Holocaust to anything that goes on now because it's just like, you know, liberals are like, ah, they're gonna be the next Holocaust of you know. I'm just, shut the fuck up. No, that's what an insult. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, quit trying to trigger people with just go go back to history class. I don't know, that shit pisses me off. But. Uh, watching all this, in um, this, the Devil Next Door. Um, oh no, I lost what I was gonna say. This, this show. There was so much of. Oh, it's Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem for the first trial, and like nobody would represent this guy, right? Because they're like all Jewish there, <laughs> so they're just like, no fucking way. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna represent this dude, right? So the one guy that actually comes forward, and um, I think it was all about the money for him. I think that's why he did it. That's at least, that's at least what other people speculate. But they like. Totally shame this dude. The community there, like he is a disgraceful Jew. Like who would possibly, you know, represent this guy? But I mean, in all fairness, if he's on trial, then somebody's got to represent him. And he, you know, God, there to... was no Catholic lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the guy who represented him ended up, uh, some Jewish guy whose parents died in the Holocaust, threw acid in his face, burned his face all up. Oh the attorney, God. and it's like, um, I don't know. In that sense, I'm just like, yeah, I get it, and I know, like, I, I get why they're so upset. But if he's, if he, if you're already proven that he's guilty you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. this is a trial so right. he, he should get the benefit of the doubt and so somebody could represent him and try to prove that he's innocent but no man they were yeah. all against that guy I forget what we know it's was. funny you
1: know who insisted that the um nazis be actually put on trial because we wanted to just shoot them that's what we should have done but we wanted to just shoot them stalin mm-hmm. joseph stalin said we can't execute them without a trial. Well, because they're not our people, so. <laughs> because if, if they would have been our people, we could have just killed them, no problem, right? But he said if we do that, then if we, if we execute them without a trial, then people can argue it later. You know what I mean? It's better to have a trial. So there's no question that it was done, like, on the, on the up and up. So that's, I thought that was kind of funny that Stalin was the one who decided we should have a trial.
0: Yeah, that's weird. That's What a twist yes <laughs> but anyway um so back to our main subject at hand just income inequality i feel like all of the subjects that we've talked about are all contributing factors and they
1: revolve around this issue but um but we can't expect politicians to solve income inequality so because 99 percent of them are in it with the corporation so right the next thing is how do we rest control of corporations well How do they get their power? How do they get their money? From us. Because corporations and the government, if you stop and think about this magical realization, they have nothing that we didn't give them. Government makes nothing. They produce nothing. They exist entirely from money they take from us.
0: But what what you...
1: And corporations get money from things that we buy.
0: Right, and it's like I get that you could boycott the corporations,
1: but you can't boycott paying your taxes or they'll just come for you. So I mean, <laughs> no, you can't boycott paying your taxes, but my point is that you know, the government doesn't get anything that on they don't get anything on their own. So the people have to, you know, and yeah, eventually it's going to get to the point where Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. One way or another because the poorer people get the right. more industries that will die and so one way that one way that i've seen kind of like activism on the part of kind of um poor people in the sense that you know a lot of these multinational corporations they offshore their money right they put their money in these little fake shell companies so they don't have to pay taxes on it and
0: right which is my which is my only thing with bernie's plan like i'll oh, tax the rich that's great but um until we
1: can stop them from just offshoring all their money i don't know how that's going to help well in certain countries like canada um and i think england has it where they have a wealth registry where they track how much money companies make in in their inside their borders and one of the things is like there's a dispute among countries right now as to um how much they should pursue these tax evaders because if you're unfriendly to like say for example England England has nationalized medicine right they need bucks they need money so they're kind of cracking down a little bit on some of these tax evaders because they're like dude like we need money and these people are not paying their taxes so like they're actually trying to pursue some of these people and actually I, I have some cases here that um we're recently on the Department of Justice's website that I printed out. So this one is from 2017. There's actually several cases you can look up on the DOJ um, from 2017 and 2018. But this guy is a former university business professor who was hiding 200 million dollars in offshore bank accounts. So the reason these people got busted was because first of all, there was a leak of documents to two German journalists called the, the first one was called the Panama Papers. It was like 11.5 million documents that got released and had all the, these companies that were basically offshoring. And of some of them they say could have legitimate, you know, purposes, but a lot of them were just tax havens. And then Um, A couple years later, there was the Paradise Papers, which listed a lot of celebrities, and it was listed by name, I guess. Um, So the first one was, like, by businesses, and the second one was by names. But, like, all these, and it was 13.5 million documents, and these reporters who got these documents were like, oh, my God, like there's no way we can go through all this. So they shared the documents with the International Consortium of Journalists, and you can go online, and you can actually, like, like search through these documents in the database and look like, like look up Trump, for example. And his name appears like 3,500 times in the documents, but it's complicated because he, he was a name whore, so he would like sell his name to companies that had nothing to do with him. So um, in any event, um, but that happened. And then in 2013, there was a leak from an Israeli bank so when you go on to the Department of Justice um, website and you look at the press releases about the people that were convicted for offshoring these huge amounts of money, a lot of them were in an Israeli bank called Lumi, and it was because someone had leaked those documents. So citizen journalism and people like going after the wealthy who are just literally breaking the law is a good start, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, sadly, um, I see case after case of these people who, you know, they call them terrorists, but I'm like, if you're going after the truth and exposing it, I don't know. Oh, like
1: Julian be. Assange?
0: Well, and the case that I always think of because it was local was just up the river here, uh, the Steubenville rape case, and they made that Netflix movie. I'm always talking about Netflix. I'm starting to, I'm starting to question my life. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing spending all this time <laughs> watching Netflix? Um, But it was like Red Roll Red or Roll Red Roll or something. It was about that rape case that happened in Steubenville. they high school football team and all the people covered it up or whatever. And that guy uh, who claimed to be from anonymous, like hacked into their school website and their email servers and like proved all this shit, proved all of them were covering it up and this and that. And, um, you know, none of those people had to serve any real consequences except for that guy. Yeah. Who the FBI went after. Yeah. And they, they said cyber terrorism Mm -hmm. because it was a government website. Well, the government hates hackers and, um, it's just like, what, what kind of country are we in where, you know, those two boys, I mean, and I just, I mean, I couldn't even, I, it was hard to even watch that because it's like these people live around here. You know, they're like within an hour mm-hmm. and they're interviewing all these old people. They're like, ah, back in my day when people did that, that wasn't even a crime. And I'm just like, so you're a rapist is what you just said. Like, you're fine with it. Um, like, I don't want to find that guy's house and burn it down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? Um, so all those people on the documentary and there was a guy that ran a local Uh, radio station he had a radio channel in Bill, who like when the case first broke was just like basically she's a fucking liar and this and that and you Mm -hmm. even hear these kids nobody talks about this one kid all these videos that made it to youtube um some of these kids that weren't even involved with it but they knew it happened and they made jokes about it and they're like laughing about it when they found out and there was one kid i forget his name as a young black kid and you can hear him in the background he's like that's not funny that's a crime like he raped that's rape and he's like you know basically the only person in this entire group of mm-hmm. of teenagers that's like no this is wrong like we this this isn't right mm-hmm. and like that kid doesn't get enough credit and they talk about right. all these kids that are horribly wrong and they sh- i mean they should be faced and shamed but like dude that kid should get a full ride to whatever college he wants to go for because he's clearly the only one of them that has any kind of moral compass mm-hmm. um but no you know nothing happens because we don't reward people for being moral
1: well and you know in every one of these cases that has come out from the catholic priests i think that whole thing kind of Hmm. broke in like 2002 when it first started Big thing here too uh wheeling catholic diocese Mm -hmm. that guy here got in all that trouble but like when it first started happening it was kind of like like i remember the catholic church one and there's a movie about the Boston Globe breaking that story out, but the, how they were like, oh, you know, let's you know, see. Which is just another Church, thing, like,
0: you know, we get off the political train, but another person that has a shit ton of money and therefore has a lot of power and uses it to hurt people is the Catholic Church. So mm-hmm. go on that rant too, but. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think, like, the most shocking thing about that was the, the fact, not just the fact that it happened, but, like, the fact that there was such an immense cover-up that they, you know um yeah, what's
0: with this country uh wanting to cover up pedophiles like we got the catholic church we got jeffrey epstein oh, god we could go uh, on a big
1: whole show about that too
0: but what is that about
1: well and, and the thing is to you know you look at the, the catholic church you look at um the girl that tried to report um bill cosby the, f- the first girl that went to the police yeah and and you know said like this yeah, happened again to me. another one so we have the catholic church we've named uh the billionaire
0: corporations politicians but also you know a lot of people I know that are like oh eat the rich but then they support these mega celebrities including people who are athletes and this and that who commit just as many horrible crimes yeah theirs might not be as uh you know power hungry but they still they have money and they
1: commit crimes and they get away from it and I'm like it just amazed me like after the third or fourth scandal and I'm sitting there thinking to myself like why do not people see the common thread that that money is the problem it was it's money and it's people being in a position where you absolutely are not allowed to question them
0: right yeah I mean we had a, the big break me too thing was Harvey Weinstein yeah. uh, Bill Cosby I mean lots of people lots of people I can even remember when it was a big controversy that uh who was the Steelers football player that uh
1: Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger. yeah
0: Yeah. like assaulted a woman or some something along those lines and um I was I was surprised that a lot of people around here being as big as Steelers fans as they were were like well then you know fuck him if that's what he did Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't know I kind of felt like with with all this Me Too movement and this and that I thought there was going to be some kind of change like where people would see like look all these rich people can commit these crimes and it's wrong but it's like no just keeps happening
1: well, because we refuse to acknowledge that it's the structural inequity in the system, you know. Uh, look at that coach at Penn State. I mean, you know, look at the Olympic, the doctor that abused how many girls, and they and the questions are like, "Oh, how could it go on for so long?" It's like, well, let me think about this for a second. You got you gave Money, a guy power position. open they need. access to these girls. And your care about them being champions was greater than anything else. All you cared about was them winning. Yep. So subject them to whatever. Tell them to ignore whatever as long as you get what you want. And it's like, you know, like you said about the Epstein case. I mean, there's a guy that everybody is still kind of (laughs) like. What's going to happen? Where's it going? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, and a lot of people, they talk about the sweetheart deal that he got when, um, was it Jim Acosta, I think? No, wait, what was his name? Acosta? Trump's uh, labor secretary, who was the one who actually gave the sweetheart deal to Epstein. I always want to say Jim Acosta. That's the reporter from CNN. Yeah, I was like, no, that's not right. Alex Acosta. Alex Acosta. Sorry, Jim Acosta. Alex, I always do that. I was like, no, no, no. He's like, goddammit, got the same last name. (laughs) You know, and he hates Trump and Trump hates him, but you no, know, Alex Acosta, when he crafted that plea deal for Epstein, yeah, like he not only exempted Epstein. Didn't from, he he resigned too, didn't he? He he ended up resigning when under so much scrutiny over what he did in that case. Yeah. Um, but the fact that a legal document in the United States of America was allowed to be drafted that said that not only would Jeffrey Epstein not be prosecuted but anybody named or unnamed who was involved in it could never be prosecuted
0: like took like a real life
1: get out of jail free that card. is beyond bullshit because you okay so let's say i get in trouble this is for something same shit i'll just be me- like hey you know those unnamed people i was one like, how do you yeah, even know who, yeah. if they're not even named? I, I'm gonna do that. They're I'm not, not even that. fucking named. So, you're, <laughs> you're letting anybody who says, hey, that was me off the hook, I guess? I mean, h- how does that even work? How are you going to prove I wasn't involved, too? So, like, it's seriously. just basically like anybody that his victims say was involved, like uh, Ghislaine Maxwell and all these other uh, trolls who went off and they're hiding in Brazil or somewhere. I mean, it's just insane and then bill barr this is the shit though that i'm talking about you know is going off about the so there's a perfect case of economic inequality equals justice inequality right but
0: this this what i'm saying it's like look at chile look at all the shit they're going through and what do they do there's like a million people protesting like where are you at america we we let so much shit i mean i just see so many different places in the world like uh what's that famous story my brother's always talking about he thinks it's the most badass story when that uh plant owner shut down this factory in france so oh yeah they just fucking kidnapped him yeah, yeah, yeah and they're like we're gonna get our fucking jobs back yeah they, they held him
1: hostage until and what was funny was the french government response was like well we don't really blame them yeah, exactly, and that's like, I'm like they hell they kidnapped this yeah, motherfucker.
0: Yeah, and it's like why nothing like that happens in our country. No, we do a couple marches that we have protests or we, you know, whatever that we have permits for. But that for. was that was it's a like, while, while the ago true, though. Like Macron the true would probably outrage. bust
1: people's head though. Macron would probably bust people's heads over I that. Just,
0: I, it's like what I, it, the more and more shit that goes on in this country and the absolute corruption that is just exposed. I'm like, when When is it gonna happen, man? Well, here's the
1: thing too: <laughs> like, like, Are
0: people finally gonna be like, all right, we gotta take to the streets? And I was, doing gonna,
1: it. I was gonna, I was gonna continue on after the the establishment of our country from empire into the labor movement but we'll do that another time but basically here's all I want to say about that is that almost invariably when people rose up to try and get basic human rights as workers the corporations used the the government to bash people's heads in Or shoot people or burn them alive or whatever. Well, that's what I said, too.
0: When I was talking about these protests, I said, maybe this is just like a a effect that people still have in their minds from the Kent State incident. Like all these people uh, protesting the Cambodia shit and the Vietnam War and all this. And then, you know, they just shoot people, just killed people. And I'm like, maybe that's just still fresh in America's mind that we know. That's what I'm saying in Chile. A million people are protesting and only 21 people died. Like, I think in America, we know that shit would not happen. When we started taking to the streets, Mm -hmm. a million of us protesting Mm -hmm. in different places, they would just
1: mow us down. There's, like, no doubt in my mind that they would. I was surprised the Occupy movement, like, didn't last longer. I mean, it lasted a long time, but then they eventually just came in and busted heads and took people to jail and drove people out. But, yeah, labor, anytime that the labor movement... And, and like I said, we'll do a, another episode on the whole labor movement because it's just disgraceful to me that the United States Constitution, you know, guarantees that the government, you know, it's established for the protect, protection of our rights. You know, when you read the Constitution and it says, um, you know, that we believe people have certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. I mean, it's actually in the Declaration of Independence. But, like, that's what we were saying is that the only reason to have government is to protect the rights of the people. And, like, nowhere in the Constitution does it say, well, we're going to have a branch of the government called corporation and— um, you know, they're going to have these particular rights under the Constitution. Corporations aren't supposed to have rights. People are supposed to have rights. And yet every single time people rise up as a group and say, these labor practices are not fair, the government comes down on them like a ton of bricks. Oh, I say all the time, dude, if somebody kidnapped Jeff Bezos right now, uh,
0: they have like a SWAT team on your ass. Like, no way. Like that shit that happened in France is just no there's absolutely no way the government would ever side with the people no over that shit and no. that, it, it makes me upset cuz I'm like damn I gotta want to move to France like, <laughs> that's
1: what, but like I said that was I don't know what year that was it was a long time ago um, so look it up yeah just type in French workers kidnap CEO <laughs> which it's- apparently is was not an uncommon practice <laughs> Yeah, they invited him there for contract negotiation because <clears throat> they were going to close their plant. I think it was a tire plant because they set a bunch of tires on fire in front of the um, plant. And I actually was the one that boss told... Boss napping. Yeah, it was like a whole thing called boss napping. <laughs> boss napping. Yeah, and I, w- I was actually the one that told Jovi about that. But I was just like, listen, this is the shit they did in France. And he was like, What? that's so right that's so badass like they
0: just kidnapped her ceo i'm like yeah because they were like yeah as of 2016 they were like no you can't do that anymore um, <laughs> and you know what the insane thing they wanted goodyear to- employees as i said a group of goodyear employees are facing jail time for holding executives hostage in 2014
1: where was that um in france in france
0: Let's see a uh, protester holds a sign blah 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 Uh, employees of Goodyear Tire and Rubber Co. are not the first French workers to hold their bosses hostage but surprisingly they will be the first to go to jail for their practice a nine-month jail sentence handed down Tuesday to eight Goodyear employees who held two executives hostage for 30 hours in 2014 may spell the beginning of the end boss napping.
1: So, I mean, it had happened multiple times before that and people didn't go yeah, to jail. Yeah, like
0: a whole epidemic. Boss napping. It was a thing. It because just the went French, on. The French government was like... But in 2016, they were like, yeah, you're done. We're not they allowed They need anymore.
1: jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, they just want to work. Well, they're tired. They just want to work. We and that's what's so funny lives. too is that they always paint like the socialist as, oh, these are just people who just want... They just want stuff for nothing. No, it's what it is is that you want... What's do you? Yep. What is owed you for your hard work? I don't know. I'm a progressive and people say that I'm a socialist. And all I can say to you is that I know a lot of people who are like hardcore, like capitalistic right-wingers who are lazy. Yep. Who will do anything to get out of a day's work. And I'm like a serious hard worker. And I don't think anybody in society who has the capacity to work should sit on their ass. People should work. People should be productive. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I always get, uh,
0: negative feedback from people when I'm like, well, I mean, I get that, uh, the whole, it was through the whole, uh, talking about work fair. People were like, ah, you welfare. You're gonna make it work fair. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, listen, there's like, just because you're a disabled person and I'm, there are some people that are disabled beyond the point of ever being able to do any job. And it's mm-hmm. like, that happens, you know? But, um, you know, I think there are lots of people who get disability, and there are jobs that they could do, right? If they would just, you know, supply jobs that could cater to that. I know that when I worked um, for a large grocery chain, that they hired some people that had um, like learning, learning disabilities. Yeah, and they like gave them jobs that they could do, and I'm pretty sure they get some kind of tax credit or something for the it. Businesses do, yes. Yeah, and it's like. This guy, you know, he couldn't do a. He couldn't, you know, he wasn't allowed to handle the money and stuff. But like, he did a good job for what mm-hmm. he did. I mean, he he worked harder than some of the people that you know were making, right, <laughs> right. more money than him. It's like, so. And I, don't know. I think to, I, I and think I think to, it, I think it's better for people. I think when you don't have a job and you don't have a purpose, it's just like depressing yeah, right. and miserable. Like. Right.
1: And I just feel like every person, every human being, you know, if you, if they have, if they're not required to do anything, like you're robbing them of their potential to Absolutely. be everything they can be. Like, you know, I just think it's, society should really hold up people to say like, and, and you know, when I, people say, oh, you're a communist or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, there's this um, belief that, you know, and, and I don't actually know if it was Marx for sure that said it, but, you know, from each according to his ability and to each according to his need. So like the right wing gets hung up on to each according to his need. Like, we're just supposed to give everybody a check and they're not supposed to work. And I don't know if they've ever looked at what socialism and communism was like, but you didn't get out of work. I think it was Marx. Yeah, it was Marx. That was Okay, I'm pretty sure. I was pretty sure it was. But like, you know, people call me a big Marxist, but, (laughs) you know, in my view, Marx wasn't, um, you know, advocating as much as he was saying, like, this is what's going to happen communism is or capitalism is going to fail and like i said i'm not a big student of marx i haven't read like all of his books i hope to at some point but um but what i understand from documentaries and things i've seen about marx is that he was basically saying that capitalism it has built into it certain weaknesses that will cause it to collapse in on itself
0: right yeah it's crazy to me that people were always like oh socialism looked good on paper and i'm like yes so does capitalism yeah capitalism's
1: failed (laughs) when people say "Oh, socialism's failed everywhere that it's tried it's been tried that's utter bullshit there's a lot of successful socialist countries and second of all capitalism is a fucking disaster cap hey what about the stock market like how did that shit work out for us (laughs) That shit sucked, okay? How about the 2008 collapse of the fucking world economy? How did that shit work out for us? So yeah, capitalism completely sucks. And let me tell you what's wrong with capitalism right now. Hold on, let me get your uh, sickle and hammer. Yeah, give me my sickle and hammer. I'm about to get on my box. <laughs> the problem with capitalism is in a capitalist system, the people get wealthy from selling goods to the consumer, okay? ah, uh, the consumers are so fucking poor right now that, like, we can't afford to buy our own shit. So we're buying shit from countries where people get paid less than we do? Yeah, but America has a broken capitalist
0: system anyway because we have all these fucking subsidies for different markets and this and that. Oh, yeah. It's, just like, it's a
1: total joke when they say, we don't oh, have true capitalism free at all. market. And that's the thing, too. Like, if you stop and think about it, Trump's like, oh, you know, c- uh, c- competing with, we got to be the best and we're competing in America. But, like, as soon as China... Right, gets a leg up and gets better at something that we are, we just like stomp our feet and cry and we want to throw tariffs on them. Because there's a lot of economists right now who say that the reason that China is the fastest growing economy right now is because their government does subsidize industries, but it subsidizes industries that they feel are going to be successful. So they don't just subsidize whatever.
0: Oh, you mean they don't just subsidize markets of people that way they can win their votes? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right and they don't you mean show... it's for the gain of the country not the gain of political rivals like... i mean i don't i guess it is for the gain of the country in the sense that the chinese government always is trying to better itself i don't know that they they don't to my, my opinion they don't care about their people because yeah, they but don't yeah, have freedom and because
0: to be fair like i mean it would be easy to be as um successful as china if we could just you know stick a bunch of eight-year-olds in a tennis shoe factory, like. It would, that would
1: be, you know, we could do that. <laughs> but like an economist I watched yesterday talking about China, and he said, why shouldn't China be bigger in, as far as on the world stage, right? Be a bigger economy as far as GDP than the United States. Why shouldn't it be bigger? They have four times as many workers. So just as far as sheer output, if China was allowed to develop you know, fully, not only is China, can they produce so much more because there's billions of them, but everybody in the world wants to get into China's markets because of all the consumers and Chinese workers have experienced a massive increase in their income. Like people imagine China as being like a bunch of people like peddling around on bikes and like eating bread and shit. And, like, yeah, No. China is fucking, like, booming. China. China is... Like, honestly, I don't know whether I should continue trying to learn Russian or just learn Chinese. Oh, no, you should definitely be (laughs) learning Chinese. I don't know what you're thinking, dude. (laughs) But I just love Russian. Like, I can't get enough of Oh,
0: God, I'm going to have to hook you with Tat Daddy. He's, like, so upset. We play in uh, the new Modern Warfare, and it's like... All these Russians. And like, like, everything
1: just stuff. sounds cool in Russian. Like, you're like... There's all these
0: spec op missions you gotta do, and, like, he plays these Russian. He's, like, so insane, like, crazy obsessed with Russia and Russians and all this shit. I'm like, oh, God, I gotta hook up with my mom, and she's like,
1: <laughs> teach you everything you wanna know. I mean, Russians are tough people. They've been through a lot of shit. I mean, I have a lot of respect and admiration for Russian people. They They've suffered a lot. And Chinese people, too. Like, Chinese people have always had a government who's like we don't care if billions of you starve, there's still some of you left. Like, they really don't care about their people because they don't have to because there's just more of them always to just replace the old ones. And that's really pathetically sad, but, like, that's how their government looks at them. You know, not that ours does much better, but, um, but yeah, so everybody wants to get into Chinese markets. So, like, when Donald Trump says we're not going to let our companies, which is funny that he thinks that he can issue an edict and say, "Well, these these companies just need to find somewhere else to do business with," because I said so. Because yeah, that's nobody like a listens. Mistake. Nobody's listening to him. That's like, a
0: mistake anyway. I mean, it's like if the companies are here and they want to do business with China and they want to send products there, then why would you want to stop that? It doesn't make any sense.
1: Right, and you know that's when you were talking about the farmers not being happy with Trump. I mean, he did provide them subsidies, but the thing is. You know, they can't, we can't provide subsidies to farmers forever. They don't want subsidies. They want to work and make their own money. And these farmers took years to develop their, most of them, it's soybean is what, from what I understand that they, that they export to China. And uh, they spent years developing these contacts and these. Well, that's w- what I'm saying. It's like and they're these not contracts be because... and everything. And now and now he's just throwing a monkey wrench into right, that. Right. Yeah. Like here, we'll just give you subsidies back, so you won't do business. It's with okay China. that your soybeans are rotting in the silo, like, right? Because we'll compensate you for that. But their point is, to, if you end the trade war tomorrow, what makes you think we can go back to China and they'll be like, oh yeah, we'll forget all about that?
0: Like right? Exactly.
1: They don't know. I'm not going to rely on you anymore. Right. So I mean, these people have been left trying to pick up the pieces of their farm and find other countries who are willing to buy their shit now. And like, honestly, the way Trump is so erratic in his trade policies, nobody's gonna want. To do I wouldn't business, buy yeah. shit from America right now because you don't know whether you're gonna start buying it. You're gonna make a contract with a company, and then the next day your supply is gonna be shut off. Business runs on dependability of your supply chain, and if you know. You don't ever know if America is just going to cut you off or charge immense amount. Like, you're not going to want to do business with America. Right. So he hasn't done America any good, in my opinion. Like I said, if he wanted to negotiate things, he's supposed to be the art of the deal guy, right? Like, if he wanted to negotiate stuff, he could have done that, but not the way that he's going about it. It's completely wrong. Right, yeah,
0: that's kind of my whole point is it's... I, when I talk to people about it, it's like I get, you know, negotiating trade deals with Russia and I think that... Or Russia, with China, and I think that is a positive step. I definitely think that something's got to change there and I always say that I did agree with the TPP and uh but I it's another point I try to make is a lot of the stuff that Trump says he wants to do um Bernie's come out a couple times and been like yeah that's what I want to do too you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like because it's just a smart choice to make but then it's like he just fucks it all up so it's like well maybe if you gave Bernie a chance he'd do that same shit but he just wouldn't fuck it up
1: (laughs) you know what I mean like hey just
0: give it a shot what's the worst that could happen right but
1: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and they said they said Obama was a big... Um, he's a big socialist slash communist, right? And look at what the stock market did under Obama. It went crazy. So if you're going to say that the stock market is an indicator of someone's barometer, like, as far as what a good capitalist they are, I guess Obama was the best capitalist we've ever seen. Because the stock market went from the shithole it was in when Bush was in there to, like, skyrocketing while Obama was in there. And, like... With Trump, it's kind of been like even, like it's gone up and then gone down and gone up and then gone down. I don't know if overall if it's higher under Trump, but I will tell you this. Talking about unemployment numbers, talking about like all those numbers can be jiggled around however you want them. Right, so I mean, and one person attributes it to this presidency and one person attributes it to the next. Or, and another thing that they have to know. realize is when they're talking about uh, millennials, for example, talking about the world that millennials are living in, um, the cost of goods compared to what you earn per hour compared to, like, my parents is completely ridiculous. Well, I feel like so many
0: issues that go on. I saw this post today and I was just – yesterday when you called me, I was just writing. I was writing, like, five or six pages of this, you know, tangent I was going on about in my brain because other than right here when we're talking about this stuff, like, literally no one wants to talk to me about this stuff, I, like, bring it up and they're like, that's depressing. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to talk about this shit. Like, why are you even- so it's like okay yeah you guys just want to talk about video games and memes so i just shut up but so i was writing this five page you know going on blah 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 about how all these other issues that we deal with in this country like we're like oh ban the guns because that's what causes you know all these mass shootings and you know this and that and the other and they just bicker about so much shit and i'm like did you guys ever think for a second that maybe this these are all just symptoms of income inequality like sure you know, it's not that I'm justifying these crazy, wacko shooters that go out and do this
1: crazy shit, but it's like, how'd they get there? Maybe they just snapped because it's like they worked their whole life and what do they have? Oh, yeah, well, and plus the combination of... And I used to tell people this about, you know, Palestinians when you hear about, you know, a suicide bomber in Israel. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not advocating for suicide bombers. What I'm saying to you is, like, when you or I get turned down at the bank for a loan for a car, we don't strap on a vest and go and blow ourselves up. Why don't we do that? Not because we're not angry, but because... We feel like maybe six months down the road, if I'll work a little bit longer at my job and get a little bit of a raise, maybe, that like, we have hope. Right. And right? We, but as time goes on you're stripping more and more hope away right. from people, they have nothing left. They have, and that's what's happening here is that people are getting, you know, more desperate and the drug problem's out of control. It's just, it's all a symptom of well, depression. I saw post. And gun violence. Exactly. That, you know, I violence, saw post. It said,
0: you know, because I was reading today about how uh, suicides among millennials is just, like, up. I mean, just drug overdoses and and deaths, you know, suicides and alcohol problems and all this stuff among millennials is just up and up and up. And I'm like, wow, I'm not shocked Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And I saw this post that said, uh, this girl on Twitter, She said, so much depression, anxiety, stress, and suicide is caused by capitalism. We really, really, really need to talk about how not being able to meet our basic needs and how giving away 80% of our days to
1: jobs that drain and exploit us leads to serious mental health issues for a lot of people. It does. And we have no mental health services are extremely hard to get to. I work with with somebody who, you know, uh, took a promotion. And they ended up getting paid just enough to get kicked off Medicaid. So they got private insurance, which they have to pay a lot for. And when they try to use that private insurance to go and see their therapist, they can't afford what their part of it is to pay. So literally getting insurance kept this person from being able to seek mental health when they need it. And, you know, so so, you pulled yourself up on the
0: bootstraps and then lost your health care, and you're going to get knocked right back down.
1: Right. I mean, and that's kind of like, and then here's another thing too, like things like stressing over, you've got two parents always have to work now. So you got to worry about daycare um, You don't, so neither parent is really actually fully parenting their child because, you know, the family's all broken up because mom and dad both have to work like a lot of hours. And then, like, I know people that work two jobs and I worked two jobs whenever I didn't have children, like when I first got out of high school. Um, But I can't imagine, like, I know a girl who works two jobs right now and it's so stressful because she gets her job schedule from her one job then she has to tell her other job like when she can work and then sometimes the schedule changes and then she has to go back to she so she has the stress of two different job schedules two different bosses two different sets of asshole coworkers. so she has like double the stress in her life because she has two jobs and I think people don't understand having two jobs is totally shitty you know so People are dealing with all of this extra stress. Yeah, and clearly it's
0: uh, not due to her being lazy. Because if you're willing to work two jobs, right? You know what I mean. And it's because
1: neither employer wants to give full time because then they got to pay benefits. I mean, it's just a battle. And and the sad fact of the matter is, when you look at the profit levels of these companies, like honestly, go online and just Google the. CEO pay compared to the yeah, you want to get average off. worker.
0: There's the one thing that'll make you stop supporting billionaires is go to this website where you get to uh, hypothetically spend Bill Gates money. And you can buy like eighty yachts and he's still got just billions and billions yeah. and billions left over and it's like, Yeah, and you can't pay your rent this month. So, you know <laughs> I don't know. I just you know, people always tell me too, they're like, Well, just get a degree and get a better job and it's like, All right, so I'll go to college. I mean, and thankfully West Virginia does have a lot of programs for to help Dirt poor for. people, mm-hmm. which I am. Um, so, you know, I, I can get an education. And I'm like, all right, well, between having to work and, you know, struggling to pay my mortgage, um, I'm going to go to school. So I'm doing that. But the more and more I sink my time into school, I realize, like, what am I going to do with this degree in West Virginia? Um, because there's just a lot of blue-collar work here. And unless I want to go to the coal mine or the steel mill, what am I, I going to do? What am I going right. to use my degree for? So I'm, like, struggling with that. And it's like... You know, people tell you, well, just maybe you'll have to move somewhere else. And it's like, listen, if being a poor person has taught me anything, is it literally the only thing that gets me out of bed in the morning when I know I'm like basically working my ass off to barely have anything is that at least I have people in my life. Family, right? At least I have my family. Right. And you're telling me I have to choose now between suffering my whole life and trying to scrape by or the only thing I've had up to this point. Mm-hmm. You're going to make me choose between those. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you know, I don't even, the cost of living here is not outrageous. I feel like a lot of people do live in this area because the cost of living is reasonable. Um, if you have two people in a household uh, working full-time jobs that you can scrape by. Well, and that's survive. another thing. That
1: I was going to say is that when you compare the fact of like, say, you know, 50 years ago, the economy is totally different and you got mothers and fathers almost always were both working. There's very few people that I know of that just one parent works and the other one stays home with the children. Like it's just almost unheard of. So even though you might say, well, unemployment is low, think of all the women that have been added to the workforce. So yeah, you've got more people filling jobs. Now also consider the fact that my grandfather's family consisted of him and 11 siblings. My mom and my dad um, had three and four in their uh, families, three children on my mom's side, four children on my dad's side. My dad and all of his siblings had four children. I had two children and now only one of my children has a child. So you've gone from a 12 family to four family to four or two to two to one. So... And that's a trend that's happening all over the United States. So even though we've had this massive exit of jobs from the United States, textile jobs, uh, auto manufacturing jobs, good high paying jobs have left the country. But you also have a lot less people like you got the boomers now going into retirement. So they're not working. They're not taking well, jobs. Not, yeah, we
0: were actually just talking about this because currently uh, my partner's laid off from the steel mill. And they keep telling him, like, well, hopefully you'll be back to work at the first of the year because a lot of guys up here will be retiring. And it's like, I don't know why nobody takes that into account when we're talking about, you know, millennials and can't find jobs and this and that. And it's like, look at all these older guys in the steel mill. They got in there with absolutely no skills, and they've wrote it out their whole lives to have good pensions and this and that, but they're still in the workforce. Mm -hmm. There's no room for new people to come in and get those jobs because these guys are still there. Mm -hmm. So it's like... West Virginia specifically is just a, an area where I, I don't know what people will do because we really only have two main industries here, which is, you know, well, I'd say three. We have natural gas and we have coal and we have a, f- a few steel mills in the surrounding areas. There's one one in Weirton and one in Pittsburgh, I think. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I know there's one in Weirton for sure. And I know a lot of people work up there in different parts of the mill or whatever but we just got a lot of blue collar jobs here so it's like you leave all these people um and it's not that women can't do those jobs they definitely can but i just think that it's it's ridiculous to pretend <laughs> like this not a man's industry you know what i mean so it's like there's just a big disparity between types of work mm-hmm. here um basically i feel like uh any advice to somebody who doesn't want to work in the coal mine or steel mill is move away and get, get a degree of being a doctor or a lawyer or something and come back because you got basically blue, coll- blue collar and in service industry which is what i'm looking at it's And just the like, military yeah and the military <laughs> um but yeah we just have a really unique problem here and i feel like for all of the things that are talked about in the state the only thing we ever worry about is coal mines and that's all politicians talk about when they come here. And it's like, where's all these people? What do we mm-hmm. do with all these people in between?
1: Well, and then here's another thing to think about, too. Like, when you think about the influx of people versus the number of jobs available. So we incarcerate more people than any other country in the world. So we have all these people locked up in jail, and they're talking about um, criminal justice reform. So let's say that they start letting people out who have, um, you know, committed, low-level drug offenses Oh, yeah, if they, if whatever if they legalize marijuana and let all those people go
0: right it's gonna so be a huge influx under if the workforce
1: if people are if we're not locking people up right and then trump says we don't need to be involved in all these uh, engagements around the world which I a hundred percent agree because i still don't understand how we have 800 military bases around the world that shit ain't cheap so if you want to tell me we can't afford universal health care or single-payer health care just close a couple of them down I mean, come on, be real. Like, but, but you know what? All of the Lockheed Martin and all of the defense contractors, the military industrial complex, they donate heavily to our politicians. So the chance that we're not going to be buy- buying the next round of, you know, billion dollar jets is pretty much fucking zero. So anyways, um, but yeah, military people, like I think we have about 2 million, one and a half or 2 million people serving in the military. So, if we were to downsize the military because, you know, we weren't overthrowing five countries at a time, um, where are they going to work? Right, exactly. So, we need to keep people locked up and we need to keep people at war because otherwise, shit, shit, we don't have enough jobs here. Like, there's so many different variables that play into the importance of keeping people poor, (laughs) The government needs to keep us poor because when we're poor, first of all, we're too busy working our asses off to keep them accountable. They like that. And then if we're poor, how many people do you know living in West Virginia enlisted in the military because they can't afford education or there's nowhere to work? Right. So they just joined the military. That's what my brother did, so he's got high school, joined the military. Haskell. Haskell, sorry. Oh, but my accent came out there. Haskell. <laughs> that's embarrassing, too. Like, if I lived in the South and I had, like, that serious Southern accent that people call C-SPAN with, I would go to a class and learn to not talk. Because like I, I know we have an accent, but, like, come on, man. These it's people so funny from too. North Carolina and they get this draw and they're talking all kind of shit. <laughs> it's funny how you learn to turn that off, too, because
0: I never thought I had an accent being from West Virginia because it's, like... I don't know I guess I just learned not to use it but it's so funny that when me and my brother get into a room together and we're like rant about something and it just like comes out like it's
1: like just emerges. It does like I think television kind of weeds it out of you like in 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 places like England which is England's like not much bigger than West Virginia but like P- there's like all these different accents and like and if i hear a person from like southern england i know like it's from there like it's so funny because they have the whiff you know they have yeah. the f so and i love accents and i just think like our i used country, to laugh
0: all the time dude you call up to the farm and my grandfather would answer the phone and he literally sounds like he's saying yellow like he answers when he's like mm, yellow it's like <laughs> what what do you say yellow this is how he talked and it's like yeah. it's so funny in different parts of west virginia like some people get that uh pittsburgh accent you mm-hmm. know they say but did you ever that.
1: notice though like if you're watching the news pretty much no matter where you are if you're watching the news the person has been trained to not show it yeah to not show especially a southern accent because it's considered to be like ignorant. uneducated yeah, yeah uneducated and I kind of feel bad for people that they get that stereotype. But damn, all I got to do is listen to C-SPAN like one day and I'm just like, hmm. because they just, it's like, why are all the callers who call up with the most ridiculous, like just backwards, and it's all this, that heavy accent. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I would just learn to not speak like that. I just, I'm sorry. Like, I just can't.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I hate <laughs> my brother now yeah he he always made me laugh at getting the garage because it always came out in him when he'd get pissed off
1: well like when i was in high school oh oh, (laughs) hell when i was in high school i used to say take a shower shower yeah instead of shower and like somebody was looking at me funny like what are you saying my grandmother says uh
0: washcloth washcloth
1: and i used to say toilet and i don't know and but i mean like a linguist a really good linguist can tell within like a 50 mile radius like where you're from And I'm like, seriously, like they can narrow it. Like somebody that's really good can really narrow it down that well. And they said that people in the valley have this tendency to words that end with LL. We say it like a W. So instead of saying, I will do it, we say, I will do it. That's weird. And that's a thing specific to this valley. I never noticed that. Yeah. And also we call the little knit cap that you wear in your head in the winter a toboggan. toboggan. Yeah, Toboggan. In the whole entire rest of the universe, a toboggan is a sled. I oh know. I'm so confused by that. I was really... I had that moment where I was like, what the hell is that? That's not a toboggan. I had a friend who moved from California and he was like, what? What? Like, what are you talking about? You can't put like a, toboggan a toboggan on your head. head. Like, there's all these little words around here that are just like... <laughs> That's funny. Just West Virginia-isms. Yep. They are.
0: But anyway, um, I think... Wow, we ran over. We're like 222 right now. <laughs> got on a rant, but, uh, I mean, there's so
1: much to say about wealth and equality.
0: Yeah, there is, but I think we'll end it for tonight. Pick up next week. And, uh, well, we hope to see you again next week, or I guess we hope that you listen to us again (laughs) next week.
1: (laughs) They (laughs) can't really see Um, us, Duke. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I got it. Uh, (laughs) but we are available, um, everywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We are on anchor. We are on Spotify, iTunes, um, so many different ones. Anchor just uploads them to like anybody that will accept it. So basically anywhere you want to listen to us, you can find us there. Um, You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast or Project 99 Cast. Sorry, it's taking me forever to get that. I got to have it right in front of me. I have a terrible memory. Um, (laughs) It's probably because I'm trying to keep up with all this shit going on. So I'm trying (laughs) to talk to my friends like, do you guys hear about this protest in Hong Kong? They're like, no. (laughs) There's so much stuff to keep up with. My brain just doesn't function right. But uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Project 99 Cast, um, and other than that, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything to add. Anything else, Mick? No. All right. Well, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick. Bye, guys.